Hi everyone. Thanks to Pure Sport CBD for sponsoring this week's episode. Pure Sport CBD are the world's most trusted and certified CBD brand. Pure Sport CBD was founded by two professional athletes. These professional athletes could not find a CBD brand that could guarantee them passing a drugs test. Upon realising how effective CBD can be for dealing with recovery, sleep, pain, inflammation and mental well-being, the two athletes decided to start their own CBD brand and Pure Sport was born. I have been using these products myself for a while now and absolutely love them. In particular, I use it for back pain and anxiety and it's had a positive impact on both of those areas. If you'd like to try some for yourself, please use the code QS15 for 15% off products on their website. The website is www.puresportcbd.com and you can find them on Instagram at puresportcbd. Why don't we do something completely different? And we really have done something completely different. So today I'm joined by pro athletic heptathlon specialist, model, ambassador for the likes of Pure Sport CBD, My Protein. I uh, say hello to the lovely Emma Canning. Hi there. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Things Tell are us good. where you are. Tell us where you are. Make us all jealous. Well, I was going to say sunny south of France, but today it feels a bit like home because it's raining, but I'm in the south of France right now. Well, the, the sun is shining in Glasgow today, so, right, but, but, but the heating's still on, so it's, uh, it's, it's certainly, certainly not warm. Yeah. So Emma, what we're going to do today is we're going to take a, a right journey from start to finish of where you are now and where it all started. Um, and we're going to go on a bit of a roller coaster, ups, down, left, rights, everything. We're going to cover yeah. it all. Um, but I want to start by saying you were born and bred in Glasgow or just the outskirts of Glasgow. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about where you come from. I was born in Glasgow and I lived 20 years there before I moved. So, yeah, I lived in a small village um, just outside Glasgow called Milton Campsy. My whole family lived there. Aunts, uncles, nana, papa, you name it. We were all in that one little village. Okay. And um, and then my family kind of moved uh, a couple times, like because we went to school in Glasgow from when I was maybe about twelve. So we mm. moved from the small village to another village, and but basically just grew up in Glasgow my whole life. So yeah. <laughs> well, listen, great city, great city. As they say, people make Glasgow, and well, um, good to see that your accent is still going strong, uh, yeah. even though you've been over in. Uh, in France now for a while. How's yeah. the how's the French coming on? Um, it's good. Like, well, when I joined, when I moved, sorry, I did not understand a thing. That was a real challenge. I, I didn't do French at school at all. Um, I stopped that pretty early on, so uh, it was a lot tougher at the start. But now I fully understand pretty much everything. I can say some, well, I can talk when I want. <laughs> I'm still a bit shy to speak. Like, I'll put you on the spot then. Come on, Tabel too. No, don't do that. Don't do that to me. <laughs> like, 
I don't want to say anything because, like I said, I'm quite shy with the first. That's about the only thing. I, that's about the only thing I know. So don't. It's not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to show off there. I don't know anything else after that. And I and I did French at school, but yeah, it wasn't really. I didn't really take. Didn't but really take a fancy to it. Fine. So that's the main but, thing. Talk to, me, talk to me about your childhood, Emma. Talk to me about. Uh, and when I say your childhood, tell me about your family background. You have Japanese siblings, cousins, friends. What was it like growing up? Growing up was crazy, I think, because I come from quite a big family. There was four of us all under the age of six. My eldest, was, my eldest brother was six, I was five. My younger brother was three and my little sister was just born. So there was like, we were all kind of quite close together. Whoa, your mum and, your mom, yeah. mom and dad yeah. did well to juggle all that. Yeah. So, and also I have, my mum has um, three sisters who also have kids who are all close in age. So, yeah. and we all lived in that small village, like I said. So um, it was pretty, I mean, it was really good. I have a, an, like amazing memories from my childhood, um, all growing up together and all going to school together. And, you know, my childhood was very active. Um, I think because I was so close in age with my older brother, Johnny, we did a lot together and we kind of were very competitive with each other from like a really young age with sport and stuff. We were all introduced to sport pretty early. My dad um, is a big sports fan. He used to be a, a runner himself. So he kind of got us into it from quite a young age. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was always up to something like my childhood. I was, I was the one that was up to nonsense, basically. Always try to get people to do, to get up to mischief with me and stuff. So I was very active as a child, always wanted to be outside playing, always wanted to be doing some sort of sport was in every sports club you could imagine after school. I think at one point I was at a different club every night after school. I'm sure my mum loved that at the time. Busy, yeah, yeah. I mean, busy traveling, constantly picking you up. You, you th yeah. I'm a parent now and I, and, I, and I think, how the hell did my mum and dad do that? After a long day's work, picking up, dropping off, waiting outside places, must've yeah. been hard. But that like, when, because my mum worked obviously at the time when we were younger and we spent a lot of time at my nana and papa's house with my cousins and, we, I remember I have such funny memories. We always talk about them, like going for dinner at my nana and papa's house. And there was, there must have been, well, there were seven of us or six or seven of us at, at the dinner table, you know, like all chatting, all fighting, all, all carrying on. And I don't know how my nana and papa did it, to be fair. So, yeah, I have really funny memories, like from growing up with all my cousins and my brothers and sister and, and everything like that. So, yeah, it was a good childhood. <laughs> sounds sounds like the perfect childhood, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What else could you ask for? You know, all your fa all your family, close close knit family, yeah. Yeah. all these cousins. All the I bet there was some some right antics. Uh, yeah. All coming from me usually. Yeah, so, sounds like at least you admit you were the troublemaker. So you know, uh, there's always one. There's always one. There's always one that happened to be me. So I'm sure I'm sure some of your other siblings and cousins got up to a wee bit of no good as well. We won't put it. We won't put it all on you. But at least you're very you're very honest. You're very honest. Yeah. So, that takes me straight into the next question, and I can see already where the influence came from. You mentioned your dad was a runner. Um, yeah. So athletics was was something that you were interested in early doors? Yeah, well, not so much athletics early on. It was more just running. Um, yeah. I managed to convince my primary school teacher to let me in the running club a year early because my brother was going, and it was for yeah. primary five, six, and seven, and I was primary four at the time. And I managed to get into the running club somehow. And I just was hooked like on running. I just loved running. Me and my brother used to go out running at night. Um, and the guy that took our primary school running club actually ran for GB at the time. Wow. And yeah, he was like a cross country runner for GB. And he used to take us for the school running club. And I was like, wow, 
he's amazing, you know, like yeah, he's, yeah. he's perfect idol, perfect idol to have. For Great Britain, it was called Connor McNulty. I'm not, like his mum was our like PE teacher, so okay. um, he kind of came in after school, and I was like it inspired immediately. I just wanted to run all the time, and having my older brother there as well was a real help because mm -hmm. you know we used to kind of be competitive with each other we always and you know we used to go out running after school sometimes at night or whatever my dad obviously loved the fact we were into the running so from when I was about nine it was just running and I joined the running club near my home so I used to run on a Tuesday Thursday and yeah it was just running at that point and athletics kind of came into it when I went when I moved to school to a school in Glasgow and they kind of introduced us to some other events you know just they had the big sports complex out at Millerston and mm -hmm. steps just outside Glasgow so yep. they took us there and kind of introduced us to a few other events and I realized like well I loved all sports at the time you know like I said I was going to different clubs and stuff so I loved trying new things mm -hmm. and I was quite naturally talented at like jumping and things like that I found that I really enjoyed doing that mm -hmm. so it kind of stemmed from like high school I guess the athletics and it just kind of went from there you know they introduced me to different events and entered me into the Scottish Schools Triathlon, which was the first time I'd really experienced like different track and field events. I thought it was an actual triathlon with the running, swimming and whatever else, like cycling. Yep. I was thinking, all right, well, I can run and I can cycle or bike and I can swim because I went to swim yep. club. So I was thinking, yeah, that'll be fine. But it turned out being like a track and field event. Mm -hmm. So that was like my first experience on a track. Of so how, old, how old would you have been at this point? I must have been, well, it was first year. I remember that. So I must have been, what, 12 or 13. I actually first started doing that event was high jump, shot put and 600 metres. So like I said, I came from like a running background. So I knew the 600 would be fine. I had never done high jump before in my life. I don't think maybe one time at a club event just as an extra. But to be honest, I don't have any memories before that. And I have a really funny memory from this competition because, you know, there were girls in the, it was Scottish schools, you know, it was a big deal back then, yeah, you know, yeah. my first Scottish schools. And there was girls like, putting out their run-up, you know, like all very professional. I'm looking around thinking, what the heck are they doing? I have no clue what's happening here. I just like put my water bottle down thinking, right, I'll run from about there and see how it goes. Yeah. And I ended up using this other girl's run-up. And it turns yeah. out that the coach, there was a coach there for her as well. I'm thinking, oh, she must be the big dog here. She's got a coach with her. My dad didn't have a scooby. He's sitting outside thinking, right, this will go one or two ways here. Yeah. Um, but she ended up, her coach, who ended up being my coach, I just used her run-up and I ended up doing quite well. I also learned at that competition that shot putt was not my forte, but anyway, <laughs> we move. And um, yeah, I ended up winning the Scottish Girls that day and I was not expecting to win that at all. Like, I wasn't so even you turned up with no run-up, no nothing. No. <laughs> and, and you you just, just, so just natural, natural talent then? I think it was natural talent, but I was very competitive, like very competitive. And I think mm -hmm. like, to be honest, with three events, I mean, the shot part I wasn't great at, but we were all so young at the time. So, you know, I think a lot of people were just trying it out for the first time. But because I kind of came from a running background, I did quite well in the 600 and I did well in the high jump and it was enough to win. But I was hooked from that day because I was thinking, I have never won anything in my life and I've just won something. So this is what I want to do for the, <laughs> for the time being. And I said to my dad, I loved that. And then he kind of was like right you enjoy it so we'll see where it goes and kind of went from there so i loved it that day i still remember that. that's <laughs> some so story that's that's that that's um uh, stories like that are the best because I know. you obviously but i think you probably still turned up there and talking to you now 
wanting to win. Whether oh, you had no experience, whether you had no experience or not, and this was totally new. You didn't even you thought you were turning up for all different events and then you found out you were going to <laughs> that's mental. I did I did find out beforehand it wasn't the cycling and swimming and stuff, but I mean when she mentioned like my teacher mentioned that I was doing it, that's what I thought initially. But then yeah, like when I showed up, I didn't necessarily think I was gonna win, but I was thinking, I am nervous here, I have no idea what mm -hmm. I'm doing. But I, I just love competing and it's something that stayed with me. Like even till now, you know, I'm a real competitor. On when it gets to competition day, like I am buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's a it's a good thing I think, and it's when I kind of I, I was hooked from that day. To be honest, I was like, I need to do more of this because that felt great. <laughs> well, so, no, this obviously this stems probably from like you say, you had an older brother who you were always competing with. Yeah. So you kind of grow, you've just grown up in that environment of like, yeah. I want to beat him, and yeah. then you know, it's the bragging rights at home. And then when you've gone into competition, you've already got the experience of, of being, you know, being challenged. So it's, it's, it's brilliant. Now, when did you then decide then that heptathlon was going to be the event? Because personally, I think you're mad, but I'm going to put this, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean it more because I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of people that take on something like this. So just for the viewers that don't know all the ins and outs of heptathlon, the women's heptathlon, 100-meter hurdles, high jump, shot putt, 200 meters, long jump, javelin throw, and 800 meters. I'm tired. I'm tired saying all of that. But yeah, yeah. when did you then, you obviously, you said you, you loved it. You loved being around it. So talk to me then about how that journey started transitioning. Um. So after the triathlon, I did... Um, my dad, I said to my dad, like, I want to do this event. I mean, I didn't even know at this stage what this event was, but I was like, I want to do more than one thing. I don't want to just do running anymore. So he was like, right, okay, like, you enjoyed it, so we'll, we'll do it. And he entered me into the under-15 pentathlon, which was the Scottish Championship. This was a step up, because this is in yeah. August, like, you know, under-15 in Scotland. And it was at the track, the Petrivi, I can't remember where that is, but it was Petrivi Club track. I remember it so much, and I remember showing up, at this Scottish event and just thinking oh god this is even higher than the Scottish girls you know people had coaches people had like full run-ups in the long jump everybody knew what they were doing and I'm just thinking what what am I doing here but I'd like experienced a wee bit of long jump before and high jump and obviously my dad and I had kind of prepared a wee bit for it but like that was my first Scottish event and I kind of learned early on that you know you have to you have to kind of wait until the end of the event like before the 800 meters like you don't have a clue where you're going to finish up you know it's, it doesn't matter until the until you've crossed the line at the 800 you just don't know what's going to happen and I kind of love that about the event you know like you have a chance to redeem yourself if something doesn't really go right or you know you have a chance throughout the day to kind of build your points and my dad said um I remember doing the under 15 pentathlon and I got I got the bronze medal at the end of the day thanks to my 800 which became a theme kind of growing up with the multi-events, the 800 kind of saved me a lot. Yeah. I just wasn't a thrower or, you know. Well, you I had all the experience in the running from a young age, so I can, yeah. I can understand why that was your, that was your event to, to always make up. So you must, you must love that event. Yeah, so I, well, <laughs> love, not so sure, but <laughs> I was always quite good at it. So yeah. Um, yeah, like I just, I just remember starting off with the Scottish champs and getting a medal again and thinking right I've got something else so I started with the Scottish girls gold and I, I got the bronze in the under 15 which was around the end of the season and I remember just thinking like 
I really, really do enjoy this. And it's when I, I joined my coach, like my um, coach who took me all through my junior career, because my dad, like I said, he was a runner, so he didn't have the knowledge or the expertise to kind of coach me through all the events. So he was always very active in my, tra like my training and always kind of knew what I was doing. And he still loves to hear every single detail about what I do in training, but he just didn't have the knowledge. So I joined the coach um, around that time, which I don't even know what year that would have been. I was under 15, I was about 14 maybe, so a long time ago now, but I joined him. Not that started. long, not, 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 <laughs> that, not that, not that long, eight, well, you're 29, eight years ago, eight, eight, eight years ago, that's not, that's not, that's not, eight years flies by, so you know, you make, don't make me feel too old here right now. Next thing won't fly by because, <laughs> you know, I'm kicking on now, no, I'm kidding, <laughs> but yeah, so it just kind of went from there, I joined a, a proper coach and, you know, got kind of entered into a few other events and I got my first Scotland vest in 2011 so that was the December of that year I think that I just started and um, that was a big deal for me like that competition really sticks out for me in my whole career you know everybody says oh what was your favourite competition and I'm like see the first time I got a Scotland vest that was like next level for me and I remember being so buzzing like but I had this like sense of confidence around myself which was really strange from like a really young age I guess like looking back obviously I didn't think about it at the time but I remember being at that competition and I hadn't really experienced like high level competition at this stage and um, it was my first ever best you know it was for the Scottish schools team and I remember so specifically the long jump at the beginning of the day it was the first event and there was a girl from England who was the big dog at the time. Like she was the big dog, everybody knew it. And it turns out I would be, end up competing with her a lot kind of in my junior career. So she she was the, the one that everybody was watching and in the long jump, she was jumping first and I was jumping second. So I'm thinking, oh Jesus, I'm right behind, you know, the big cheese here. So she, um, I, I think my personal best at the time was like four meters something, not great. And um, I warmed up and everything. And usually in the long jump competition, you get two warm up throws and then you're straight into competition. But I just remember, even when I was really young, you know, no experience, I did one warm up and I said to my coach and my dad, who were in the stands, I was like, I'm ready for this competition. <laughs> and I didn't take my second warm up throw, it jump, and I didn't take my second one. And then the first jump I did, I just jumped a massive PB. Like, I think I jumped 520, and I was maybe, what, 13 or 14 at the time. And I just think, like, that's what I mean when I'm like a comp like a competition performer, I guess. What, like, did I she jump, what did she jump before you? Well, she jumped something big, I think, like 560 or something. But my mm -hmm. PB at the time was maybe 460, so I'm thinking, she's just jumped a metre ahead of what I can do. You smashed, your, you smashed your PB as well. Yeah, I just, like, I just went out, and I just remember being so buzzing with that. And like, but I learned again in that competition, the pentathlon at the time, it was five events when you're younger, seven now, but mm -hmm. it's a full day thing, you know? So like you can't, although even if you get a really good performance in the beginning, like you can't just be, you can't use all your energy being buzzing about one thing because you've got mm -hmm. four other events or you've got six other events to do. Mm -hmm. So it's all a learning, but I just remember like, that's how it all started because that competition especially was at a real, competition environment you know and I really like responded to that well so it mm -hmm. kind of just went on from there and you know I just that always sticks out to me as like a big thing because I was like I loved that day my first Scotland best that I, I had some energy about me I'll tell you like it was crazy I was bouncing off the walls all that day. Top, I mean getting your Scotland I mean I've, I've I, know, I know the feeling you've, you've felt there as a junior get as soon as you just have that official 
you know, I'm I'm representing my country here. Uh-huh. It lifts you, it lifts lifts you up, and I can see the excitement, and it's brought brought the best out in you. The questions I've got, you touched on a few things there. Um, a few questions I've got is must be a lot of up and down emotions. I mean, you might do really well one day in the hundred meter hurdles, and then you might not have a good high jump. You might not have a good shot putt. Yeah. You've got to keep your emotions and your, your energy positive, I'm assuming, to go into 200 metres. You know, how do you how do you manage that? How do you, because it must be quite emotional if you have a really bad event, that you know you've not you've not been up to your standard. How do you pick yourself up? Um, to be honest, like I owe a lot of that to my dad because from a very, very young age, like for instance, that competition I was just talking about, I ended up coming fourth, which mm-hmm. in the grand scale of things was like a really good position to finish you know usually in these kind of competitions it was four in a team so it was one two three four England usually but I managed to sneak in <laughs> and oh, kind yeah. of break that but that ended up being a bit of a theme for me I was always finishing fourth when I was younger you know I was thinking oh, you know I, when am I going to get a medal or when am I going to do mm-hmm. this and it's the same like you know like you said you have moments where you're you don't perform as well and you have moments when you perform really well but my dad always had a way of keeping me kind of level you know he he very like from a very young age he like drilled it into me like you have to be patient in this kind of sport you have to you have to be aware that it's never going to be like easy 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 you're never just going to keep getting big pvs all the time because when you're younger you do get big pvs a lot because you're learning and you're training for it more so the pvs come quicker when you're younger but especially with the heptathlon you know you have to control your emotions a lot more I would say because you have to be able to stay on a kind of positive mental attitude the full way through and my dad has always been amazing for that you know he's like you have to look at the bigger picture every single every single time you do something that's maybe not what you were hoping for or you know you learn so much every single time you compete and he drilled that in for me to me from when I was 13 years from when I started basically and you know it's played a massive role in my whole journey so far because although there has been times where I've taken a massive dip in performance from for whatever reason like injuries and stuff I'm sure we'll get on to but um you know my dad's always been there in the background just like just think of the bigger picture you know it's all part of it you're learning so much here um, it's never always going to be perfect but you just have to you have to believe in yourself you know and I think my mum and dad well my mum as well you know like my dad was more involved kind of with coaching and perform like performance side of things my mum's always just been like a real supporter in the background but both of them you know their belief kind of it kept me calm I was just like right it didn't go as well as I planned but you know my dad's very much right we did that now this is what we have to do going forward and I've just kind of kept that attitude the whole way through I don't beat myself up you know obviously you have your moments you're just like oh god's sake naturally as a competitor you want to do your best every time but Sport, there are so many times where like things just don't go to plan but you know I, I really have my dad to think to thank for that because he's kind of drilled it in from the start you know you can't beat yourself up it's already happened so what can you do now you know yeah. good, so good. let's look at the let's look at the positives and let's work on where we need to work on and, and go on big shout out to um mr and mrs canning um <laughs> dad sounds like dad sounds like a, a like a champion dad like you know he, he, he seems like he's really taught you the real fundamentals of what it takes to compete at the at the top level. And mum obviously sounds like she was a massive, okay, didn't have maybe the knowledge that your dad had, but, you know, together, 
I mean, she argues that she was a, a right competitor in the javelin at school, so I'll give her that. But <laughs> but my dad, um, my dad's been there, you know, from every level. Obviously, I have three other brothers and sisters, so my mum mm -hmm. can always come to everything. You know, she's yeah. there for the big ones and she's there when it matters. But my dad's been there, you know, through the small ones, the the, the big ones. You know, so he really we have such a special bond over over my sport. And because my dad used to be a runner, you know. I think part of it, he, he maybe stopped earlier than he should have. And I mean, mm -hmm. he's never really spoke about it, but I think he, he kind of lives with some regrets in that sense um, with stopping the sport early. So mm -hmm. I know that he, he sees the potential in me and he knows that if I stick at it and I work hard, I can achieve what maybe he, he kind of stopped prematurely for that, you know? And, and I think he's kind of living, living it through me as well, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and that helps. So, and, and, you know, we're very on, we're so on the same page, my dad and I, you know, with everything and, and we really connect over it. So I, I'm so grateful for the relationship that I have with my dad and I know that he'll be, he'll be the most honest. My mum's probably more honest, but I need that, you know, like I need people around me that are honest. And, you know, he's always been like good, through the good and the bad. And I know when I've done well, because my dad will give a wee, <laughs> a wee fist, you know, but he never really says too much. But, yeah. you know, there have been moments where I'm like, I've done that good. <laughs> that, you know, that's that's good. You know, sometimes over-egging it and, and you know, yeah. especially if you want it, you, where you're competing is not, you know, you're not just doing it for fun. I mean, you enjoy it, but you're doing it to win and achieve yeah. medals and do it. So, you know, it's good that a parent keeps you grounded, but it's yeah. at the right time says, well done. Um, and at the right time maybe says, you know, do you think you could have... It's, it, it, there's... There's a balance and everything, and it sounds like your dad has uh, has been perfect all the way all the way through, and I'm sure is still um, a massive massive support. And I'd imagine you're in regular communication even when you're over in over in France. I think I'll FaceTime my dad. I'm a, well, I FaceTime my mum more for just chat, just general yeah, chat. Yeah. He loves hearing what I'm up to training wise, but I think after every session, I'll give my dad a FaceTime. If I've done something good, I'm like. Dad, I just did that and he's like right we're going in the right direction but we've still got a lot of work to do you know so I'm in you know I FaceTime my mum and dad maybe two or three times a day they can't get me off the FaceTime because I just love keeping them updated and yeah. you know my dad um he's retiring at the start of next year so I'm hoping he's going to be able to come out oh, cool. this corona stuff stops but yeah. um, he's going to be able to come out and actually get you know a bit more involved with stuff now that he'll have a bit more time but I'm definitely keeping them fully updated with everything that I'm doing and you know, it, it's really nice to have that with them and they're so supportive with everything I'm doing. I can't thank them, you know, enough for that. So, no, I, it's good. It's good to have them. They've definitely keep, kept me grounded throughout the years and told me when I'm kind of taking the piss of it. But I, I needed that, you know, everybody needs that. And yeah. I know that they're going to be the, the ones that are the most honest. And, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. No, it's very healthy. Sounds really, really, really healthy a relationship with your parents and, uh, you know, all credit to them and to you. You obviously have a, a fantastic family type bond. Sounds like your siblings as well. All of you yeah. sound really tight, tight knit. Love to hear it. What are your um what are your what would you say are your top three events in the heptathlon? What are your what are your preferred or what's your favourite? So what what's your what's your what do you know if I've got that up my sleeve, I'm in business here? Um I think my favourites and what I get most points they kind of differ like my favorites are obviously just depending on what ones are going well at the time because one week I'm like I love the long jump and then the next week you know it might not be clicking and I'm thinking god that needs to that needs to go but yeah. you know points wise my top three are probably 
definitely the 800 I've always been strong at the 800 I've got a really good mental attitude before like for the 800 thanks to my dad mm-hmm. I mean I've had my moments everybody does you know with confidence and stuff but you know I've, I've I have a really positive view towards the 800 and I know I can get good points in that so definitely the 800s up there high jump I can get good points in that, but again, it's hit or miss with that one because it's so. Have you got a run up? Have you got? Have you got a run up now? I'm assuming you've got a run up now. Yes, I'm not using the water bottle technique anymore, but um, when the high jump's going well, it's probably one of my favourites. I love the training for it. I love the hype that you get, and although it's like personal best now are kind of decreasing, like it's like tiny increments that you're improving by. But see, when you get like a PB in the high jump. God, that that's a long wait usually. So it's yeah. some buzz and you do get a good jump in. And um long jump as well. Long jump, high jump are up there kind of similar. Uh yeah, they're probably my top three favourite wise, the jumps in the eight hundred. I mean, I say eight hundred is a favourite very loosely because mm-hmm. it's a painful one, but I know I'm good at it and I know I can run a good time. So <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely like up there. But my hurdles are coming down now and stuff and um there's a couple of throwing events as well, shot put and javelin. How are you in? Uh, you never mentioned them. How, how is that? Is that maybe one that are there two events that you maybe are always trying to? If they improve a little bit, it'll benefit your whole the whole round. Yeah, the, the, I was waiting for the throwing to come up. To be honest, <laughs> I'm not letting you. I'm not letting you slip that. You know that's why I wrote it down. And, and I'm listen to be amazing at all eight events is. Is, is not is not going to be easy I'm, I'm sure you're constantly evolving but yeah talk to me about your your throwing events um well to put it simply I'm just not a natural thrower I mean I'm not built for the throwing um mm-hmm. but and it's been a real struggle for me like for me throughout my whole career basically you know I mm-hmm. really really struggled it's been a mental barrier I didn't have to pick up the javelin until I was under 17 but even then you know I just the coordination just wasn't there. I just, it just didn't click naturally. And that's quite hard to accept when you're somebody that's really competitive. You know, you're just thinking, why can I not do that? Why can I not do that as well as, you know, the jumps or anything like that? But I think the biggest thing for me was moving to France and getting a different perspective on it and getting, you know, my, my coach now, his best event, he was a decathlete for France. He went to the Olympics yeah. and stuff. His best event was the javelin or javelin and pole vault. I actually think he has the world record for decathlon pole vault so he had like pole vault and javelin he was really really good at so he's very coordinated probably perfect probably perfect coach for you then honestly it was the thing i really needed like but you know it's been it's still a work in progress i'm actually loving javelin right now which is a big thing for me to say because i hated javelin throwing and i've tried when i was still training in scotland i went to a specialist javelin coach who I had a lot of time for she really really helped me kind of change my mentality for it um shot putt as well I had a really good shot putt coach in Glasgow but I just was still I didn't do it enough that was a problem I didn't train for it enough my coach as my junior coach um he wasn't that confident in coaching it and we just didn't like it and we knew I wasn't good at it so we kind of put it to one side and focused on the other events and you can get away with that as a junior you know because nobody's really throwing that big when you're a junior you know everybody's kind of learning and it's a heavier weight and all that kind of stuff um but as I progressed into senior or as I got older I really noticed a big gap in what I was throwing and what my competitors were throwing mm-hmm. and I was losing competitions just on, on the point of throwing, on, the, on the throwing events and mm-hmm. you know it got to the stage where I was thinking is this am I actually gonna be able to do this because although my other events were strong 
you know, I was losing competitions just because I couldn't throw like as far as the others. And I was thinking like that, how can I not throw? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, what has happened here? And I tried and I tried to be positive about it. And I tried, but just nothing was working. And, you know, I used to get really negative and you could see my body language and competition change from one event to the next, you know, from the jumps, I'm full of confidence, full of life and like buzzing. And then I'd go to the shot put or I'd go to the javelin and I would just be like, I am not comfortable here. Like, let's just get this over with as fast as possible. And it just was a whole, like, I just used to dread it. I honestly used to dread it. My dad used to dread it because I was dreading it. And like, you know, I just used to lose so much in the competition from that. But moving to France, I think the main thing was a change of mindset, you know, and consistent training. That's that's the, the bottom line. You know, we consistently train for both the shot and the javelin. And we fit it into the week. It's we, we throw twice a week, you know, sometimes twice shot a week, once javelin or twice javelin one shot you know we just we throw a lot more so you're looking you're looking like the you're looking gun you're looking gunned up just before we we, we we dive into into france and the big change of moving a couple of other wee things i want to touch on not really wee things to be honest pretty big deal um you decided to go to university yeah. which is which is which is great and you took on a law degree which is no no easy thing, no easy thing to do. Yeah. Talk to me about that. And were you still training and, and competing during all that? Talk to me about that experience. Yeah, so I had a bit of a, I had a kind of difficult time at school, to be honest. Like I don't know if it was just I didn't really have a goal when I was younger in terms of what I wanted to do. I knew I loved sport and I knew I wanted to do that, but thanks to my parents as well, they also knew that it was important to have a kind of backup. Mm -hmm. and they were really hard on me in school you know like because there was a point where I did I just kind of wasn't focused in school I used to carry on I was like I said I was always up, up to mischief but you know I just wasn't getting anything out of school and I moved school and it was difficult to kind of settle and and all that and all I wanted to do was do sport and I was very hyper as a child so you know that was difficult and as soon as I found out what I wanted to do which was a law degree. And I actually got the inspiration from another athlete, um, an 800 meter athlete in Great Britain, Lindsay Sharp. She, around the time of the 2012 Olympics, which was when I was midway through high school, she um, graduated with a law degree from Edinburgh University. And she was also going to the Olympics on the same year. And I remember seeing that. I remember it being so clear, like being like, I want to do that. I want to do that because I was very good at English in school and very good at writing and reading and everything. And, I was always interested and I loved writing and I knew that a law degree was mainly reading and writing basically and you know I liked to just kind of get stuck in to that and I was rubbish at maths at school I was rubbish at science so I'm thinking well a law degree opens up a lot of doors and I knew that so I just thought as soon as I figured out that's what I wanted to do it was like a light bulb went on and I just was a completely different person in school and I came back once I used to fail all my exams at the start of school, not all of them, because I was like, I'm not stupid, you know, but I just wasn't putting an effort. And it was very clear when, you know, the levels started to get better in school that I wasn't putting in the effort. And then I came back from, from kind of this summer, I came back and I was just thinking, I want to get my grades and get out of this school as soon as possible so that I can get to uni and get that done so that I can focus on sport after. And my best friend at school at the time was so intelligent, like it was crazy. I, I didn't really have that many friends at school because I was so busy and like, yeah. and so like, I don't know, like I said, I just struggled to fit in. And I your, was, social, your social events were always on a, on a track somewhere. 
kind of growing up and stuff my mum and dad were quite strict they allowed me to do stuff but quite strict and it didn't really fit in with what was happening at my age group you yeah, know so yeah. it was difficult it was a difficult time for me and and it kind of was the reason why I wanted to go to university so quickly like I just wanted to get out of school and kind of get on with it kind of thing so my best friend at the time was so intelligent and she definitely kept me on the straight and narrow with the exams and kind of pushed me to to do well at school as well so we kind of had a good a good setup going, you know, she was the smart one, I was the sporty one, but she kind of brought me to that level of intelligence, I guess. So um, I worked really hard the last couple of years of school and I left school a year early to go straight to university for my degree. And then I was still training, you know, and my athletics was kind of picking up and, you know, at school, um, it worked out really well because my PE teacher at the time, her husband was the head of sport at Strathclyde University. Okay. So he was in charge of like the elite athlete program and in charge of like the athletes basically of the university. So she set up a meeting with me as soon as I got my results and I knew I was going to Strathclyde Uni. Um, she set up a meeting for me to to meet Neil, who was the head of sport at the time, and I had a meeting with him, explained what I wanted to do, explained my sport and everything like that. And to be honest, that was one of the things that really made university life a lot easier for me because I had someone on my side that knew what I was doing, and you know, I was doing my studies as well. So at Strathclyde with the elite athlete program, everything, you know, you, you have a lot of benefits with that, you know, deadlines and stuff can can kind of be altered slightly if you need it. Um, just different things like that, you know. So I guess it's like, it helped a lot, the fact that he was the head of sport because it was like a connection. He could, understand. He could understand what you what, what, what you what you needed and the support that you needed and, yeah. you know, the, the demands of the sport because you... The thing is, even though you were doing a law degree, I'm assuming you couldn't, you can't just leave the sport and put it in the back burner for a couple of years. Otherwise, you'll lose your, you'll lose your momentum, and That's the thing. you had to manage both. Yeah, and I've always been somebody that works very, very well in routine. Like mm -hmm. because obviously, when I was at school and I was studying for my exams, you know, I was just basically at school studying, training. That's all I did. I went. I remember it because I went to school in Glasgow and it finished, um, kind of like. Like quarter to four or something and my training was in East Kilbride which was like the other side of Glasgow um, and it took with traffic and everything it took an hour or so to get there um, so I remember what I used to do this kind of got to my routine I used to finish school I would have I would take food with me to school like extra food to have after train uh, after school before training then I would either get a train to training or I would get the train back to Lindsay and my training partner's dad would pick me up at the station and go direct to training yeah. and then I would train from six o'clock until maybe eight o'clock or eight thirty, and then drive from East Kilbride to Lindsay, which are like complete yeah, opposite. So I'd get home about nine o'clock. I'd have my dinner. I'd do whatever homework I had to do, and then I'd go to bed. <laughs> like that was my routine for as long, like from when the age of sixteen, and then I went straight to university. So from fifth year at school, I went to university at seventeen to start my law degree so then because I was I think that was the best thing I did to be honest because sixth year at school which is your last year at school or um you know you hear a lot of stories of people kind of messing about and having fun with their yeah, friends yeah. And, you know it's I just like that, a, I don't, I don't, uh, sixth year was a sky to be honest yeah. played, a lot of, played a lot of cards in the in the canteen yeah but I never did that like I went straight from doing my hires my mm -hmm. hardest exams at school straight to my law degree so there wasn't really like a big difference in my routine like I went from studying really hard from hires to studying really hard first year uni yep. you know so I think that was honestly the best thing that I could have done because it kept my routine very similar um and it just instead of it being school to training it was uni to training mm -hmm. and kind of had that 
you know momentum going I guess like for the studying and I, to be honest I was a bit of a nerd like I actually loved studying I loved reading everything and so weird because if you take my early years from high school and my latter years from high school like it's almost like a different person I couldn't be bothered doing homework or called, anyone. It's called, I think it's called maturing as well yeah and, and realizing that. that you know I maybe and when you start to focus on something a little bit more you might realize that I actually quite actually quite enjoy it yes. but yeah probably during school when you were getting up to no good constantly wanting to just be on the track doing your doing your passion my dad actually threatened to I remember one year I was probably about 14 or 15 I hadn't started my exams yet but I was really pissing about at school basically mm-hmm. put it <laughs> the only way I could put it Bluntly, um, yeah. and my dad I remember my dad saying if you don't start doing your homework and actually pulling your finger out at school I'm not letting you go to training and that was like the big thing I was thinking I faced that with my mum. I faced that with my mum a good couple of times, and it's it's like. Oh. And I just remember thinking at the time, you can't do that. <laughs> and my dad was like, "Yes, I can." And my mum was the same. You know, my dad worked away, so it was mainly my mum and my dad obviously together. But my mum was the one at home. She had to deal with everything because my dad yeah. worked in the south, so she was the one that had to deal with the tantrums and everything like that. You know, I'm not doing my homework. I don't need to do that. It's pointless. Blah blah blah. blah. You know, just being a brat basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was pretty difficult like not gonna lie my mum had it out at that time she I don't know how she coped but she did very well <laughs> um and she really like pushed me pushed me pushed me you know and there was big arguments in the house I was just like I can't I don't even enjoy school there I don't want to go there I want to go to the school where my cousins are because like I said I grew up with my cousins and they went to another right. school I was like I hate school I don't want to be here blah 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 but you know the fact that they kind of pushed me to do that and like get to that point was a you know that it kind of got to the point where it was an ultimatum you either study hard at school or you stop the sport until you learn to study yeah. hard at school so I was just thinking right I need to I need to do something here and yeah like I ended up graduate like going to university and getting my degree and that was a that was a good achievement actually well right again again big shout out to mom and dad because I bet at the time you were sitting in your room like I hate my parents and you know they're the cause of all evil and parenthood yeah. is not all it's cracked up to be because you sometimes need to have the hard conversations. And as much as your dad, mum and dad have supported you so much with your athletics, yeah. you know, they've clearly pulled, reined you back in when they needed to rein you back in. Yeah, and you're now sitting as a young lady able to acknowledge, and it's all part of life's journey. It's yeah. all part of the journey. But yeah, eight, uh, 10 years ago, I'd imagine you were like, I, just, I definitely gave them. I definitely gave them a, a hard time, and I'm thinking, is that going to come back and bite me in the ass when I have my own kids? Probably, but you know, yeah, you'll like, probably find it well. You, but at least you have the experience of having good parenting and yeah. be able to deal with it. I'm I was sure. going to my mum thinking, you know, when I was acting like that, what did you actually do? Because I remember at the time thinking, they are just on at me all the time. But mm-hmm. had they not been like that, I wouldn't have learned, like, okay, I have to stop messing about here because if I mess about there, I'm not going to achieve that. And then, you know, everything happens. And you start, as you get older, like, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to understand, you know, I'm, I'm starting to be so grateful for how they were with me when I was younger because I was difficult. Like, I just, you know... Like I said, I always had so much energy and I was so unfocused on anything. Like I just didn't have a focal point. So I was just mm-hmm. causing trouble. Like I was just bored. That was the thing. I was bored. And when I'm bored, I just cause trouble. Like, okay, not now, but when I was younger, I was just like, like, who can I get a reaction out of? That was how it was. And I just did it with everything. And it was quite, it was self-destructive. You know, that was the point. Like, and yeah. my parents saw that and they knew like how much potential I had. And they really, really fought. Like they did. And they ended up, you know, 
there was points where it was just my, I can imagine my mum was like, I don't know what to do with her. Like she is going wild. Like, and you know, I can hold my hands up to that. Like, but I learned through that and I learned like, okay, I need to get my head out, you know, and I, I need to start accepting that like, there's, I have to do the hard work now in order to enjoy life later, you know, and I, thankfully I had a wake up call and, and realised that and then, you know, went on to, to do my degree and I applied for university in fourth year. I was really young, you know, 16 years old, applying for a law degree. My teachers were like, whoa, whoa, you know, only a year ago you're running around the corridors, you know, being an idiot. So where did this come from? But, you know, I stuck at it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And like, you know, when I put my mind to something, like there is no stopping me. So like that, I'm really, really glad that I had that moment of, <laughs> there's, you know, I need to do something here if I want to, if I do want to do sports. So that was a tough time for my parents, I'm sure. But we got there in the end, right, mum and dad? <laughs> that's that, like, you know, absolutely. So what age were you when you have got your degree now? So I graduated in 2018, which was when I was, I think I just turned 21. Yeah, I just turned 21 in the March and I graduated in the May. So wow. well, that was two years ago. What well, an achievement, as well as, being a, as well as being a high performance athlete to get a law degree, which by the way, big tick box and it's there now. And yeah. you can relax and you can focus solely as you're doing um, yeah. on, your, on, your, on your craft, which is, but you could always, we could, we could, you, might be, you might be fighting in courtrooms in 15 years' time, we'll be reading about you doing some great work in that field. So, you know, you've got it, you've got it up your, got it up your sleeve. Yeah. Something else I want to touch on before we go towards your move, and that is injury. Um, we chatted a wee bit before we came, before we, we recorded this, and, and you mentioned yeah. to me that you faced quite a bad injury. Talk to me about that. Um, yeah. I suffered from a stress fracture in my left shin um, and this kind of came around the time where I was maybe just well I say maybe but I was definitely just doing far too much at once you know I had I was kind of st I started my fourth year at uni so this is my last year at uni with my dissertation and every all the stresses that come with that yep. I also was working in a restaurant um, because from the age of 16 you know I, I spoke a lot about my routine and and studying and training but I also wanted to have that kind of social I love socializing I love chance people I mean I'm sure it's clear but so I always wanted to have that social but I couldn't really just go out like you know I couldn't really do the normal things I guess that people are doing at 17 well 16 I started working 16 17 because I was training all the time mm -hmm. so I decided the best way to socialize would be to get a job <laughs> and I worked in a golf club from 16 17 and then eventually I moved and, and worked in a bigger restaurant in Glasgow, which I did love, but it was tough shifts, you know, it was working in hospitality. Anyone that does that, I take, your, I take my hat off to you because it's tough, real hard. It's tough. And I was balancing that with a full-time law degree and full-time training. And then I was working, you know, 11-hour shifts or 12-hour shifts at the weekends. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was just, this was in my last year at uni and I was just doing far too much at one time. And I remember starting my winter training kind of late 2016, and thinking like I have a bit of a weird pain in my shin but like pff, it's nothing and this is this was what this is the big downfall for me you know I didn't accept when my body was telling me you know you're in pain stop mm -hmm. I just thought okay you know it's not causing me any problem I'm still able to run so like it'll all be fine and then I was working and I was studying and I definitely wasn't eating enough because you know when you're doing a hundred things like to, to factor in eating and to factor in you know getting enough food in to be able to allow your body to do everything that you're doing. I just didn't have enough knowledge on that at the time. I didn't know enough about it to 
be fully aware of how much I actually needed in order to do everything I was doing. So like training progressed and I was in really, really good shape because I, I'd worked really hard. I had an amazing training group at the time, you know, all of us doing the one event and really pushing each other. And it was right before the British Championships in January 2017. And that is my favourite, still is my favourite championship, like indoor pentathlon in Sheffield. I love Sheffield. <laughs> And I, I, lived always, in Sheffield. I lived in Sheffield for a few. I know I exactly. I know exactly where you are. Great city for the great, great, great facilities they've got there. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know the city, but I bloody love the track. I've just and I love that competition. I've always loved that competition. So I was gearing up for the the British Champs in indoor, and then I remember doing a hurdle session, and I just came off the hurdle, and I was thinking, okay, that's really sore now. Like I've been training on this for two months. And I was like, right, that is really sore. I can't even come off the hurdle properly. And I sat down on the track and I had a lump on my shin. And like, I was just thinking like, I have no idea what that could be. So, and my coach as well at the time, like he, he didn't really have the experience of like big injuries with athletes because he started us as a young group and he was taking us through the journey too. Okay. So he didn't really know, but I think it was him that said, right, we need to get that scanned, I think, because that doesn't look good. And you've been talking about it for a while now and all that. So... I remember I got the scan on the 3rd of January. I, know, I remember this so clearly. I got the scan on the 3rd of January, which was maybe like five or six days out from the competition. I was still thinking I'm going to Sheffield. Like, I was fully of the mindset, I will be in Sheffield. And my doctor at the time was like, yeah, you've got a stress fracture. And I just remember being like, what's a stress fracture? I'd never even heard what a stress fracture was. I was thinking like, all right, what does that mean? And he was like, it's not great. You know, it's like right on the flex point of your shin. So when I was walking up and down stairs, when I'm walking at all, like like your shin, I'm at, I was right on the point where your, your shin flexes basically to allow you to take the impact. Yeah. So I got put in a boot. My indoor season was out. I couldn't compete at all indoors. Mm -hmm. And um, after six weeks, I got another scan and it just wasn't healing properly. Like they just said, like my doctor was like, there is no sign of healing in this. So either you wait a year and see if it heals by itself. But because of the position of it, like I said, on the flex point, like, the chances of it healing on its own were very slim so he was like you know I think we just need to operate and I was thinking oh my God. I had never even like I was a thankfully a child that had never been to hospital you know I was like I'd never had any problems I was never in hospital my brother broke his arm when he was like three or something and that was like as it you know as big as in our family so I was just thinking like oh I was really nervous you know I was just like what does this mean like I'm gonna have a metal rod in my leg with like pins going across and I'm thinking oh god this is not good news so I got the operation in March 2017 and that was like the start of a really tough couple of years for me because coming back from injury the first time round was fine like I did all my recovery in the hospital I did all the things I was supposed to do recovery wise and I was back training normally um from August that year but something just wasn't like it just didn't feel natural like that having the metal I mean they did warn me of that before the the operation that you know because of the position of it and everything like that you know I might still feel some pain but it's because of the plate it's not because of the fracture anymore so I was like right well that's fine like I can cope with pain but like going back to training and just I just wasn't moving the way I used to move like I think I was kind of favoring one side because it was kind of still painful and you know I could take impact but it was just not the same you know and I was just like well I guess this is just how it's going to be so I'm just going to have to suck it up but as time goes on and as more like 
you're uncomfortable, you're not, you don't feel the same, like that starts to play a role in like the enjoyment kind of coming out of it a bit because you're not, you're not doing, you don't move the way you used to move or it doesn't feel as good. So you're not enjoying it as much. And it was kind of the start of like a downhill. This was like a, a, the real start of like the downhill for me because I was just thinking, this isn't fun anymore. Like I'm showing up to training in pain. I'm not jumping as smoothly. I'm not running as smoothly. Like, you know, it's just, I just don't think I enjoy this, to be honest. And my coach, to be fair to me at the time, like really pushed for me to get back into competition because he knew that's what I loved. I loved being on the start line. I loved competing. And that's what I really got my energy from. But like, I remember, so that we're now into 2018. So I'd done my winter training and kind of got myself back into half decent shape. Went down to Sheffield love Sheffield and I did like pretty well indoors considering I just had my injury and all that and it was my first one back from injury I medalled at the, the British indoor champs and you know everything from the outside seemed like everything was going really well but like from the inside I'm thinking like I'm st- this still doesn't feel right I'm still not enjoying this and it was also the the year that I properly started my relation my, my last relationship so I had a new relationship as well and you know that was exciting um he did sport as well so I was kind of choosing to travel and support his sport which was having an impact on my training it was also that what sport, what was it similar what sport was it what sport was your, your no he played he played rugby so that was completely different for me I wasn't from a rugby background I didn't know rugby at all so that was quite exciting for me to get involved in that and kind of go to the games and you know meeting rugby is a very social sport you know like there's a lot there's teammates and there's partners involved and you know it was very it was a really really nice environment to be in and I, I loved you know being around everything and but at the same time you know it was still it was kind of impacting on what I was doing because I wasn't happy in my own sport I was spending more time with him more time kind of following his sport around and traveling a bit more and and all that kind of stuff which is fine you know I chose to do that and I was really happy he's obviously, he's obviously doing that he's obviously a doing it was doing it at a high level yeah so like he, he did that at a high level so it was you know for me I was just thinking you know well he's at a high level I'm going to support him with that mm-hmm. um and then I remember going to a competition in Tenerife so this was maybe like May or June it was the start of the season anyway and I remember sitting in my hotel room I was there on my own because my dad for whatever reason couldn't come out um and it was just me and my coach and I was, you know, it was foreign athletes and you get put in an athlete hotel, so you're in a room. And I remember crying before my competition and just thinking, like, I do not want to be here. Like, I, I feel like I'm here because I need to be here. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at that competition and just, it was very clear in my performance, like, I wasn't where I should be mentally for a high-level sport. Like, I was just not in the mindset. And I remember saying to myself, I will never come to a competition if I feel like this again ever even if it's the last one I do it I'll never do it and I didn't even finish the competition I had to stop early and I was supposed to stay until the day after because it was a heptathlon so I was supposed to go home the day after the competition finished but I didn't even I, I didn't even get to the javelin and I remember phoning my um boyfriend at the time and saying like I need to get out of here I can't even stay another day like I just feel so sad and I'm in so much pain and everything and you know he was great at the time you know he said right just get the next flight home like don't worry about it just take the next flight and just get out of there so that's what I did I left my coach in Tenerife <laughs> at the tell time. Before, did you tell him did you tell him he, before you left yeah he was with his wife so he kind of I think he was staying out for a few more days anyway but I just said mm-hmm. to him look I need to go I just was really upset I was in a lot of pain and I flew home 
midway through the competition, basically, I went straight to the airport and got the next flight home. And uh, phoned my doctor when I get, got home. I said, look, we need to do something about this. And he kind of gave me the choice. He was like, look, obviously there's going to be a risk with taking the plate out, but you either take the plate out and see where it goes, continue you know, your rehab and get back into things and see how it goes, or you choose to specialise. Because I wasn't really getting pain in a couple of events. Like I could do the long jump, for instance, and it was fine and, and all that. So he was like, you could specialise or get it out and see how it goes. And that was a real kind of turning point for me because I just didn't feel like I'd finished what I wanted to do in the heptathlon, you know, and my parents, again, were so supportive and my dad was like, go with what you feel inside, you know, if you don't feel like you're finished, then all we can do is take the chance and see, and it can't be any worse than how you feel in this moment, so, you know, they were really supportive and and I got, I ended up getting the operation and um, it was quite good timing for me because I had a week before my operation and I went on holiday and I was able to just relax, you know, I went yep. to Cyprus, which was it was amazing because it was a wee island there wasn't really that much to do um, and we just had an amazing time you know just like totally switched off from the world and then I got home and had my operation and I felt like I started fresh and honestly it was the best decision I have made having that second operation because you know I just felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulder I felt immediately better as soon as the plate was out I was joking to my doctor being like you screwed that and it's far too tight <laughs> Like, that is the problem here. You just screwed that in far too tight. Yeah. But I got it taken out, and I honestly, that is hands down the best decision I've ever made. And I'm so glad I went with that. And I listened to my gut, you know, and just thought, like, I'm not finished here. I need to just see what else I can do. And, like, I got that out and, yeah, just went on from there. And I've honestly never looked back with, with the heptathlon. I absolutely love it, and I'm loving training for it again and everything. And I'm so grateful that I decided to do that and give it another go, you know. But it was a real turning point. Like, could have been a. It sounds like it could have been a, a moment that changed your changed changed everything. You might not have been in the sport anymore. You yeah, know, it, 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 I'm just going to move into lightly. But, <laughs> but it's it was interesting. Like, it's interesting you talk about that because the mental side of things, it just shows that everybody thinks sports people are just living the dream. It's all hunky dory. You know, there's no there's no chat. You know, they just they've got the life. Yeah. But every sports person you talk to, doesn't matter what field they come from, there's always cha mental challenges that you face. And you're yeah. obviously strong-minded, but it got that bad that you had to leave an event. You had to leave a tournament. Yeah. To and you know how I felt so embarrassed, like, because it, the thing is, see, when you're not at a high, high level, like, you're having to pay your own flights there. My coach paid his flight there. It was a lot of time and effort. It was a lot of people's time and effort. And I just remember thinking, I am wasting everybody's time coming to this event, like, I'm wasting people's energy, time, like, what am I supposed to do in this situation? But I was honestly breaking my heart in my hotel room thinking, I can't go out there because it was a morning session and an afternoon session. They split the day and I'd done the long jump in the morning and I was thinking, I cannot go and do the rest of this competition. Like, I physically couldn't bring myself to go. And I have never been like that in competition. Like I said, I love competition. I absolutely buzz off them, like, you know, I'm like a kid still when it comes to competitions and I just knew something wasn't right and I just knew that and that's why I promised myself like I will never go to a competition when I'm in this mindset because it's not worth it and I didn't want to lose that fun side of it you know and I, I just didn't feel like myself and I just knew that it wasn't I just had to go and it, it was very dramatic at the time to be honest to just leave straight away but yeah. that's how much I had to even get you out. You've got, to do what you've, got, you've got to do what you've got to do sometimes 
you you would only have made the injury, only have made the injury worse. You would only have probably made your mental state worse by going out. You yeah. might have hurt yourself even more the following day. So you made a call, and it was clearly the right call. You had your your second operation, and you've come out the other end of it, and it's uh, it's been a positive. And I'm I'm really happy to hear that you know you're pain free and you're able to compete and enjoy again because that would have been a you know it was sad to hear you talk about that there because so positive about your, your your craft and how much you love it and it's not always what it's cracked up to be you're going to face moments that are are not as pleasant and you've handled it again with the support of your family and other people around you and it's, it's great to hear yeah you then um made another you, you made a you made a change you you decided that it was time to leave scotland yeah which is which is a really hard decision sometimes, I know, because the weather here and everything else is just so good. Oh, but, uh, you, you decided to move to France. Why did you decide to make that change and how did it come about? Um, so my boyfriend at the time, like I said, played rugby and he had the opportunity to move out there. And um, he moved out in July 2018, I think, which was just when I graduated. So I'd just finished uni and he moved out. Um, to Paris and I remember at the time being like oh god some people just living the life you know and I'm stuck here training but I spent a lot of that summer traveling back and forth and then you know because through like I said because I just had my second operation I wasn't competing in that summer yep. so I had a lot of time you know and I was kind of traveling back and forth to Paris back home and you know training in between but not like I just didn't have my own routine you know what I mean like I was just thinking like I'd and like I said to you, I work very well in routine and I just lost my routine. I didn't have university, so that was one thing out the window. Mm -hmm. I was training, but I was in, injured while I was coming back from another operation. So my training wasn't like a routine either. It was just kind of rehab stuff and just getting back into things. And then I was traveling to Paris a lot. I think I was traveling out to Paris maybe every 10 days. <laughs> like it was a lot, you know, because I, I just loved the city and obviously I wanted to go over and see him. So, you know, I was traveling back and forth a lot and I'd been speaking to, to him at the time and just saying, and my parents as well, you know, just, I felt like it was coming up to the point where I just needed a change. Like, it wasn't anything to do, it was nothing personal with my coach at the time or anything, but, you know, like, he'd, he'd been coaching me since I was 13 years old and I was getting older and I was developing and and I, ju I just felt like it was the right time for me to make a change. And it wasn't necessarily going to be France. Like, you know, I spoke with my parents and... And everything and I spoke with obviously my boyfriend at the time and I was telling him how I felt and and I was thinking of my options and there was a couple coaches in, in England that I was really interested to work with one in Newcastle which would have been ideal because it wasn't so far from yeah. home and um, the other one obviously like there was a few other a bit further down south and you know that was an option for me but with my boyfriend at the time being in Paris I was just thinking well I may as well explore my options there because if I'm going to be traveling over there to see him that's going to destruct my training yep. anyway so I'm thinking like I may as well go and see what my options are and and kind of take it from there and if something happens there then great but I wasn't going to move over to France unless there was a, a setup that was better than what I had at, in ho at home you know because regardless of it being a relationship and wanting, it, wanting to be there for him like I couldn't just move my whole life there without having something for myself you know yeah which it turned out to be the right decision. Yeah. But like, you know, when 
when that was all happening, you know, I ended up managing to get uh, an appointment with my coach now. But because he was the head of, well, he is like one of the best combined events coach in the whole of France. You know, he was training wow. at the Institute in France and he had a really good group there. So I was thinking, right, if I can just get a meeting with this guy, then I can see like what type, what coaches are about. Because I, I just wasn't expecting to be able to, to train at the Institute, to be honest, because, you know, at this stage, I wasn't even in the Institute in Scotland, you know, like I wasn't even part of my own Institute, never mind being a part of the French one. So I managed to get a meeting and it was all very um, private, you know, he, because inset, the Institute in Paris is very like top level, you know, top level sports people there. It's gated security. There's security guards at the front. Nobody can get into that facility unless you are training there. So mm -hmm. he picked me up in his car outside the training facilities and drove me in for the meeting I'm thinking wow this is like a palace I feel like I was in an American movie I'm looking around thinking what is this place they have the big medical center you get the big outdoor track you get the indoor track and I had my meeting with him and just I was so honest to be honest like he said I was so honest to be honest but he said to me like what are you looking for and I was just like this is my current situation I don't have anything special to show you on paper but I know that I work hard and I know what I want and I know what my qualities are and I know what I can bring you know to the table I just need some I just need you to kind of tell me what my options are you know mm -hmm. and the, the meeting was very much a case of like well it's very difficult to train here Um, you know what's your situation are you going to move over here or you know and I explained to him like I wouldn't move over unless I had a really good setup like to come into and I don't know like I guess the conversation just went really well and I think he told me later on which is really funny he said to me like you know there was nothing showy like you just told me you were brutally honest about yourself and you told me like what you wanted to achieve and I could see that you were somebody that was really passionate and driven so he was like you know I wanted to kind of take that challenge upon myself because his athletes are very high level you know and yeah. I'm obviously not at that level but I have qualities that would help them as well you know, I was strong at the 800, his athletes weren't strong at the 800 and things like that. And I think he just saw something in me, I guess, that I, like he wanted to coach me. And I remember him phoning me the day later, just being like, so do you want to be coached by me? And I remember being like, oh, my God, because <laughs> this guy is like, like I said, you know. Big, big, like, big, big, you know, high level. He has the, the sport, the but, you know, it's big, big, important big important get and, and the fact that you weren't even in, in the institute in scotland i know like matt so you know much, i wasn't shows even so shows how much you, you impressed him he obviously bought into you well you know i'm law degree <laughs> and all that i can persuade people no i'm kidding but like he obviously like like you said he obviously saw something in me that he wanted to kind of put his faith in me and you know it was difficult to get in there you know like my I had to go to my federate, like, you know, my institute and say, look, <laughs> you know, in order to get in here, you're going to have to write a pretty good letter. But I wasn't even in their institute. So it was a bit of an awkward one. I was, yeah. but I, had, I have a good relationship with some of the people in Scottish athletics and they're very supportive and they knew my situation with, you know, my current setup and how I wasn't really that happy and, and all that kind of thing. So, you know, hats off to them. Um, Mark Pollard, who's one who was, I don't know if he still is, but I think he is. He's, you know, one of the, the top people in Scottish athletics. I had a meeting with him and he kind of helped set everything up and I needed to, to just make sure everything was, because my coach had to contact the French Federation and get, you know, to be allowed to train in the Institute and stuff. And it was all set up that way. And I remember my coach saying, I had the meeting with my coach now, my French coach in December. 
so that would be December two years ago now. Um, around two years ago now, I had the meeting with him, and he phoned me, and he was like, "We're about to start a new block um, just after New Year, so can you move out then?" And that was maybe two weeks, and I'm thinking, "Can I move out then?" <laughs> and I hadn't really even spoke to my mum and dad properly about it because, like I said. I wasn't going to start throwing out all these ideas unless I had a plan in place, you know, to say, right, this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it. Yep. So I hadn't even spoke to my mum and dad. And by the way, I'd started a master's degree at Strathclyde Uni. So I was in the middle of it, well, not in the middle, but I'd started a master's degree in the September. And I was thinking, but I, it wasn't really something that I wanted to do. You know, it was just like, I'm just going to do it because why not? I need a routine. It was almost like I needed a routine. So I was like, right, I'm going to do a master's, <laughs> as you do. But then I decided, like, this is an amazing opportunity that I cannot turn down, you know? And obviously I had to speak, like, I spoke with my boyfriend at the time and also I had to make sure that he was all good with everything. And he was so supportive. You know, he was like, of course, like, you can't turn down this opportunity, you know? Like, of course, like, move out, you know? And it was all very much a case of, like, okay, this is going quite fast, but he supported it that's what I wanted to do for myself and you know my parents were happy and you know everybody was kind of saying at the time like oh are you sure you want to move in together so soon and of course like everybody's going to be cautious but yep. I wasn't moving to France to move in with my boyfriend I was moving to France for an opportunity for myself that just happened to be so much better than I thought was mm -hmm. going to be and you know if my boyfriend was on board with it and was happy for me to move into the house, like I was traveling there a lot anyway, like yeah, I said. You're going there, like you said, you know, every 10 or so days and yeah. quite regularly. So that so, would have been taking its toll on you as well, all the traveling. So you're better, you're better. Yeah, it, made, it, made you know, it all made sense. It just made sense. And that's the thing, like, the thing that people didn't know is they all thought she's moving out there for him. Like, mm -hmm. oh God, that's a bit soon, blah, blah, blah. And I get that, but people didn't understand, like, you know, I wasn't moving out there. I moved out there because obviously I wanted to be with him like, and, and support him as well. But it was a major, major step up in my own career. So I was yeah. just thinking like, you know, regardless, and maybe like looking back in hindsight, we should have maybe spoke about it a wee bit more. And, you know, maybe it would have been better if I'd kind of moved out and gone, because you could live at the Institute. It would, maybe it would have been better to do that because there was a lot of, you know, he lived quite far away from my training facility. He was the other side of Paris, you know, so... Yeah. You know, on hindsight, we, we maybe should have spent a bit more time kind of figuring out how it was going to work. How far were you travelling? How long, yeah. how long were we talking? Things like that, rather than me just jumping the gun and moving in. But see when you're see when you're in it and you're just thinking, well, why wouldn't I move in to the yeah. house? I mean, even yeah. I didn't even think about that because I just thought, well, of course, like I want to spend more time with him and like it makes sense to move into the house. But yeah, maybe that was, maybe if I could go back, I would change that part about it. But at the same time, like, you know, it is what it is and that happened so like how far, sorry just but how far were you traveling between so i was driving right bearing in mind the french drivers are crazy so okay. and it was the other side of the road and everything but i was driving like an hour maybe an hour there and an hour back every a single lot day. when you especially when you're it's a lot when especially when you're doing sport and you're training yeah. high level because you're, you're you're going to be tired you're going it to need all your energy. It's, it's, it's a lot of traveling two hours a day I, yeah, I like, and I think part like thinking back as well it was it just like me driving our schedules didn't really match up at this point because I was training in the afternoon because some of my training partners were finishing their studies so we all had to train <clears throat> kind of afternoon and you know our schedules didn't really match up so I didn't see him he would leave for training at eight in the morning or something and I wouldn't get home until nine at night so 
you know, I barely even saw him. Yeah. And I think like we ended up kind of not staying together after about four months. And <clears throat> like, I think looking back, that kind of had a bit to play in it. You know, our schedules weren't matching up. He was kind of doing his thing. He was traveling back to Scotland. I was kind of trying to figure my way out in my new training group and all that. But, you know, so that was a different, that was kind of the start of a different challenge, if that makes sense, because, you know, I moved out there with the idea that we were going to be there together and kind of have each other. And then very quickly, it became me being in France on my own, you know? So I was just a bit like, okay, this is going to be a different experience. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you made a mature decision though. Between, between the two of you, does it sound like, you know, you get breakups and they can be locked for a lot, but both of you were very, you know, ambitious. You're both doing sport at the top level. Um, and it sounds like it was just a, the right the right route for both of you to take. Yeah, like, to be honest, you know, there was, this is the thing, you know, I know for a fact, I was very quiet when all this happened because I was obviously trying to figure a lot of stuff out myself and what I was going to do. And obviously, like, breakups regardless, like, you know, it's not easy for anyone, if that makes sense. But I was just trying to figure out, right, what's the, what's the best thing for me to do in this moment? And I think a lot of people would have thought, oh, she's just going to come home. But I don't actually think a lot of people knew at the time. But, you know, I just, I just thought, right. I remember having a conversation with my dad on the way to the airport when I was moving. <clears throat> and he said to me, oh, well you know, are you, are you all right? Like, what, what if something happens? And I just remember think, saying to my dad, you know, if something happens, I'll deal with it, you know, when it comes. Mm -hmm. And obviously I wasn't expecting to have to deal with it so soon, but I just remember, I just remember reminding myself, like, okay, I said this, I chose to come out here for myself. So I'm going to deal with it and I'm just going to have to take it on the chin. And Hi, everyone. Thanks to Pure Sport CBD for sponsoring this week's episode. Pure Sport CBD are the world's most trusted and certified CBD brand. Pure Sport CBD was founded by two professional athletes. These professional athletes could not find a CBD brand that could guarantee them passing a drugs test. Upon realising how effective CBD can be for dealing with recovery, sleep, pain, inflammation and mental well-being, the two athletes decided to start their own CBD brand and Pure Sport was born. I have been using these products myself for a while now and absolutely love them. In particular, I use it for back pain and anxiety and it's had a positive impact on both of those areas. If you'd like to try some for yourself, please use the code QS15 for 15% off products on their website. The website is www.puresportcbd.com and you can find them on Instagram at puresportcbd. So you mentioned um, the travelling aspect when you were commuting between, between training. Yeah. How far was that? So that was about an hour um, travel because the way, that our, like, the way that I had to train it was in the afternoon so it was rush hour on the periphery and if you know paris you know that that motorway is 
tragic. Like it okay. took me an hour or so, maybe longer sometimes, to drive from the uh, right, I always get mixed up with west and east. To drive from the west side of Paris all the way across to the east side of Paris. So, you know, my my partner's um house at the time was in the southwest and my training was in the northeast. So mm-hmm. it took me an hour or so to drive there and back every single day, you know, and and like that's quite a lot when you're that's quite a lot when you're training as well and you're going to be tired. Yeah, and these are the kind of things that like we just didn't think about at the time when I moved over. You know, I just thought like I'll move into the house because that makes sense and I'll just drive to and from training every day because I wasn't really doing anything else over there. So I thought okay, it'll be fine. But like eventually that kind of takes its toll, you know, on not only on my training, but also like when your schedules don't really match up and you know, he's coming back from training in the afternoon and I'm not home till nine PM. Like it just it just didn't really work in that sense, and mm-hmm. you know, and then you know, just things like didn't work out the way I originally planned, and you know, I guess that's on my part. You know, I didn't think about it logistically. I just thought like, what an amazing experience I'm gonna, you know, be over in Paris. We're gonna be together. I won't have to commute back from Scotland, and you know, I'm joining a new training group, which was amazing in itself. But yep. you don't realize at the time how much that also takes out of you emotionally yep. because. You're, you're only you're young. Kid. You're only you're only young as well. You know. You're not exactly. You know. That's a big. It's a lot of a lot. Most people are just. Most people go to an office. They work. You know, and they come yeah. home at the same time. Yeah. Being a being a professional sports person has got a lot more. You know, it's it's, it's not easy. So yeah. there's a lot. To, but you wouldn't have known that until you until you went well, over. And that's the thing. Like, and joining a new training group, a French training group. You know, my coach at the time didn't really speak great English, so I'm thinking, oh. He's like, and I'm having to learn, you know, <clears throat> the way that they do things, and it was very different to the way that I'd been training before, and all that kind of stuff. And like, it was just a bit of a challenge. It was a challenge anyway, moving. But I just kind of, I'm one of these people that just kind of goes along with things. You know, I just take things in my stride. I don't think about it at the time, but it's only kind of looking back that I realise that maybe that was part of why my relationship broke down in a way because it was just kind of like, you know, we weren't on the same you know it was just everything was kind of we were just going through the motions of stuff and it wasn't mm-hmm. like it was almost like the relationship kind of got put to one side because he yeah. had to focus on his sport and I had to focus on my sport and that, I guess that's just life like that's just part of it mm-hmm. um and yeah like like I said kind of before it's not it's not what I was expecting to happen I wasn't expecting to kind of end up in this situation on my own but you know nothing ended on bad terms you know like no, nothing was bad at the time yeah. I, I was kind of just more like upset I guess but I was also quite scared because I was then thinking I've moved my life out here what the heck am I going to do mm-hmm. like you know and I guess the the easiest option would be just to have gone home and go back to my comfort and be surrounded by my friends and family to kind of cope in a way but at the same time I was thinking like I'm about to start competitions I was injured for two years as well to put into perspective you know I hadn't competed in two years so I was thinking like I'm about to start a competition season that I've been waiting for for two years I'm finally in a training group that I'm I feel happy in, and you know it wasn't the best timing because I was about to start competitions and I was just thinking like am I going to be homeless (laughs) but you know like it's all these things and you're just thinking like I've never lived on my own I lived with my best friend in an apartment in Glasgow um before I moved to France I lived with her so I was never on my own and I was only 20 minutes away from my parents house and Mm -hmm. you know so to actually end up kind of on your own in a different country 
was a whole different ballgame. On your own, or not even with a flat, not even with a with your friend around to have a flat. I have no friends at this stage because when you when you have a partner, I guess like you don't. Uh, my friends were the girls who were partners of the players, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And I and although like at the time. I was just kind of like trying to think, right, what am I going to do? It was almost like survival mode, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you just kind of think, right, what what can I control right now? Which is, I need to find somewhere to live. I need to try and focus on my training and I just need to get on with it, you know, because any breakup's hard. And, you know, I'm not saying it was easy for him because I'm sure it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an easy choice for him. He knew the situation. He knew I'd moved out. And I think it was a lot on him emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know... My partner, like, he's a great guy. His whole family, like, they are amazing, amazing. They're an amazing family. Like, everybody who knows them knows that they're an amazing family. And that was the hardest part because I think they also felt quite bad in a way. Like, I was very close with his sister and his mum as well because she used to come out to Paris all the time. And I remember her being out around the time everything was kind of happening and having a conversation with her. And I could feel that she was upset you know it was like it was hard on everybody and mm-hmm. I just remember like thinking right this is really not what I wanted but you know I, I can't think badly of someone for doing the right thing if that makes sense yep, so yep. although it's not what I wanted at the time it was the right thing for both of us we both had to kind of just take some time apart to like grow in our own journeys and and he's at such he's at such a high level in his sport that there's so much pressure on him to be at his best and he almost didn't need the stress of like me being stressed because I had an injury yeah. at the time and stuff and I was like, oh God, you know, I'm injured and I'm having to drive all the time, blah, blah, blah. You know how it is, like you're just yeah. end up. So I could never be annoyed at somebody doing the right thing for themselves. That was, the, that was the main point. And although it's not what I wanted, like how can you be annoyed at somebody or how can you say something bad about somebody for doing what's right for them as well? And I, like I said, from the very beginning, I was I was so supportive of what he was doing I wanted to be there every single game I wanted to like I wanted the best for him as well so I was just like right I don't know how I'm gonna cope but I'm not gonna make this any more difficult for him do you know what I mean so I kind of just had to very quickly sort myself out and just think right okay what are my options and I have to give it to my mum and dad because they could have easily said right come home it's not gonna work you tried and that's it but there was not even the question of me coming home you know like it didn't even cross my mind. It didn't. It didn't come out my mum and dad's mouth whether it crossed their mind or not. I think they just wanted me to be okay, if that makes sense. And whatever yeah. I wanted to do, they were fully on board with it. And there was no doubt in my mind that I wanted to stay in France. There was times, points where I thought, can I actually do this on my own? You know, can I actually be okay in a country where I've not got any support system round about me? I had my training group and my coach, who obviously knew the situation, but. I didn't really say to them like the ins and outs. I wasn't like, you know, I, I wasn't going to training breaking down basically. It was the, the time when I was like, right, I need to hold myself together. I need to just get through whatever it is I need to do. You know, I'm about to start competitions and, you know, it was tough. It wasn't easy. I'm not saying that it was an easy ride and like I'm strong, but there are times where you just think, can I actually do this? You know, like, is this going to, this is not what I planned basically. And, you know, that's life. Like, you know, you get thrown curveballs and you just have to take them in your stride. And the, I guess the bottom line is I was thinking, you know, I came out here for a reason. Yes, okay, the, the main reason why I came out here didn't really work out, but I came out here for myself. And I think that's something that, you know, I would say to people time and time again, like 
whatever you decide to do in your life you know whether there's partners involved whether there's you know friends involved whatever like at the end of the day it has to be for yourself as well because if I moved out there without it being for myself too I would have just been on the next flight back home you know and then yeah. it's like okay well that was a bit awkward you know yeah. <laughs> like just a bit of a scratch of the head I've done well, the you big there, actually you, you, you actually didn't move there until you had a reason to move there as well you mentioned that earlier. You didn't just move there, right? I'm going to stay in the apartment, and I'm just going over to stay. To stay. You, you were you were you were considering going to Newcastle. You said you were considering yeah. other options. So yeah. you went there when you had something as well, um, in place. So it yeah. wasn't you know you, you you've been totally honest about everything you've you, you've you've talked about there. And continue yeah. on what you're saying, but I've just wanted to put that in there because, you know, you had a purpose all along. You had yeah. a, you went up and. and I think just listening to you there, it, it's it's very mature. You know the way, you know both you and your your ex partner have. Um, I mean, you mentioned that you know you you're saying you still you, there's no bad feeling, still friends. No, yeah, that's the thing. Like, um, you know, with with that whole situation, you know, there never was any arguing. That was that was about that actually made it the hardest because we actually always got on really well as friends, and we still do. That's the thing. We, we're we're so similar in many ways, like, um, you know, our sense of humour and everything. And I got on so well with his whole family. So I know there's no blood from their side. There's certainly no blood from my side, no bad blood from my side. And it's just a question of like, we're both adults here. We've, we both know that it's not working the way that we thought, you know, we just have to do what's right. And that's the thing when you're both sports people, you have to eliminate the things that are that are getting in the way or the things that aren't allowing you to focus on what you have to do mm-hmm. and at that moment in time you know things just weren't working out the way that we thought so it was like well I mean I wouldn't have made that decision but at the same time looking back it's definitely allowed me to kind of find my own yeah you know and and really learn and grow up a lot like I really had to grow up very quickly because overnight overnight pretty much yeah like you know I think anyone dealing with something like that it's going to be difficult, you know, like, but having to do it in a foreign country, kind of on your own, that really, at, at points I was thinking like, geez, I just don't know if this is for me, you know, like, because all, I, all I'd ever known kind of being there was a different situation. And now I was kind of having to navigate my way through a foreign country on my own. I had to try and find my own feet, if that makes sense. And although I had my mum and dad kind of on the other end of the phone and I had my best friend on the other end of the phone, um, it's not really the same when you don't have someone to give you a big hug or, you know what I mean? Just kind of pick yeah. you up. And, and that was quite a difficult time. I'm not going to lie. And finding an apartment in Paris when you're not French, you don't have a job, you are training, like that's your full-time job. Like that was a whole different, I just wasn't expecting it to be that difficult. Was it and, hard? Was it, was it, was it, was it, was it, was it difficult? And I had competitions in between that, you know, so I'm trying to come back. I'm trying to show everybody like this was the right decision I made moving, you know, I'm in good shape. I, I had a lot of pressure on myself because I'd been yeah. out for two years. I'd moved coach and obviously people in Scotland were thinking, did she make the right decision? And I was desperate to show everybody like I've made the right decision, like I yeah. am improving. Mm-hmm. But then when you're dealing with like essentially heartbreak yeah. and you're dealing with everything, you know, having to find an apartment, you're dealing with just trying to keep yourself kind of happy I don't know it was difficult like there was just a lot happening at once and then trying to find an apartment (laughs) I just remember one time 
I was on the bus and there was this wee old lady and I, it was just everything was like really overwhelming I was thinking because every single apartment I went to view they said no basically because my dossier like my file wasn't strong enough because I didn't yeah, in, France, yeah. you have to, in France you have to earn three times the amount of one month's rent ah, like, right, okay. and if you're not a student you can't have a guarantor so that's the rules here <clears throat> and I just remember thinking every single place that I think I'm going to get they turn me down and I remember <laughs> sitting on this bus and I was like getting a bit teary because I was just thinking I actually physically can't do this as much as I want to be here I can't everywhere is like rejecting me and this wee old lady just came and she just hugged me on the bus <laughs> and I remember at the time this is pre-corona feeling embracing this old lady and I was like and I remember thinking, I have fully lost the plot here. I'm like, in this humanity, random though. Hug. humanity, humanity, yeah. that's all it was. She obviously could see uh, how upset you were. Oh, uh, like we didn't even speak because I think she knew I was foreign because I'd phoned my mum, being like, Oh, I can't do this. And I think she just knew, like, this young girl is either there's something going on anyway. So yeah, she just yeah. came over and she just sat and put her arms around me. And I remember actually, <laughs> like, going into it, I'm thinking, This is a bit strange, but I'm going to take it because I hadn't had a hug in so long. Listen, like these things are weird, but you know, she she's probably seen you like a, she's probably got a daughter that no, and, that's, and, and, and you and you were needing a mother figure at that point. And the bus was the bus was the right moment to share that moment. Exactly. And you know what? It's all I needed because I was like, I hadn't had a hug in so long, and I was just like, I'm gonna just enjoy this moment. This wee old lady, don't know who she is, like God bless her. God bless her. I know, because it, it really, really picked me up and I just thought, right. I, I can do this like and I just remember going to my coach and I, I was explaining everything to my coach and the next day at training he came with a file this thick and he was like give that to any agent if you find an apartment give them that and it was all his files he was like I'll be your guarantor for your apartment he was like just don't miss the payments like kind of joking with me yeah, yeah, yeah. and do you know that like when when he gave me everything, because they, they just basically wouldn't accept my my fam like my family as my. It had to be somebody from. It had to be somebody with history in France. It had to be somebody in France, and I mean, I can't exactly go to my ex boyfriend at the time saying, "Hi, I know we're not, you know, but can you be my guarantor?" Like I just couldn't do that. Like who yeah, wants yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And so I, but I did think about it. Because I'm thinking, right, if this is going to be my last resort, I will go to that door and I will say, listen. I fully accept that this relationship's over, but can you be my guarantor? <laughs> no, but thankfully it didn't come to that. Um, and my coach gave me all his files. Him and his wife gave me wow. everything. Ah, uh, and they, he, I was honestly like, I remember bursting out crying at training, and I didn't cry at training. Like that was the thing. I just kept my my personal life off the track, basically. But I remember just bursting out crying because I was like, I have a French guarantor. Like I know I'm going to get an apartment. And I would never have asked him to do that. It's not something I would have asked, you know, because he didn't ask me to be in this situation. He didn't sign up for that. He just signed yeah. up to coach me. He didn't sign up to basically be my father figure, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. But I just remember being like, okay, first of all, he wants me to stay. Because mm -hmm. if he didn't, if he, you know, it would have been easy for him to say, look, it's not quite worked out for you, you yeah. know, good luck. But he wanted me to stay in the group. He was willing to actually put his name on paper and sign something for me to live there and he was so supportive and I remember just feeling like so thankful like okay right as soon as I had my apartment my dad flew out from because my dad also had to sign paper like it's so complicated here like he had to sounds sign it. sounds it bloody hell so my coach was involved my dad was involved he flew out from Glasgow signed the papers that afternoon and flew back the same day 
or flew back the next day. I can't the remember. Things, like, the things, the things, the things our parents do. I was there for 24 hours. I got the keys to my apartment and I got the keys to my apartment just in time to get back home to do a competition for Scotland. I got a Scotland vest for the first time in three years since my injury. And like things started that to probably pick up. You up. That probably picked you up. That probably picked you up though, Pepsi. It took your mind off things. You know, at least you've got your apartment sorted. Yeah, see, as soon as I had my apartment sorted, I was thinking, right, I'm, I'm staying here at least for another year. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And that was a real turning point for me because the full summer, I was very unsure. I was thinking, you know, I'm just trying to get through it. I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other. That was all it was. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the thing, like everybody's going to face these kind of things in their life. Sports person or not, you're always going to have something that really tests your character, I guess, and like tests yeah. your inner strength. And that sounds like really cringe, but at the same time, like, Looking no, it doesn't sound cringe at all. It does. You're always going to have everybody. It doesn't matter what what background. There is things that are going to make life tough. Yeah. And and, and you do. You need to find something inside to to bring yeah, and, you through that. And you know that, like I did question things at times, and obviously I was really upset for a long time because it wasn't even. I mean, it's the same for a lot of people. Like it wasn't even the fact that the journey wasn't really how I'd imagined, but you also don't have that comfort. I didn't have that comfort, which was my ex-boyfriend, do you know what I mean? Because we're both from the same country. Like I said, we always got on really well. Yeah. And I just like, and relationship aside, I just like kind of missed that kind of comfort side yeah. of things. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it was, it was a sad situation, but at the same time, like I said, it was just, it was the right thing to do. And it was almost just a case of, you know, I just have to focus on what I have to do right now. And then as soon as, you know, I started to focus on, okay, things are getting better. Things are starting to, you know, I was just like, my coach said to me, actually, my coach was so good at the time. He just said, look, you don't have to put yourself out there. You know, he was like, just take time. He was like, you know, there's a lot happening right now and you're trying to figure a lot of stuff out. And it was like one thing after the other, you know, when you're just like, oh God, it was like I was drowning. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Drowning. and I was so desperate to compete like so desperate to compete and I'm so glad that I did compete but at the same time like because it, it just kept my mind off things but it just made the days very long like because it, when when you're in competition season for training you're only training maybe an hour and a half a day because it's very yep. short fast and sharp mm -hmm. so thankfully I did have a bit more time to get myself sorted and then I went home once I got my apartment and stuff, I went home, competed, and then I had an amazing off-season. I went to Ibiza and I went to Croatia with my best friends. Like, I just partied, basically, yeah, for a month. Yeah. And I really had a great time, like, and, you know, then when I went back to France to start my winter training in September, I was moving into my new apartment. My mum came over, got it all sorted with me, got everything settled. Um, I was starting a, a fresh block at training. I had my own place. And then I just kind of found my way in the city. I started to go out a wee bit at weekends. Like I met some friends and yep. um, you know that way where you just find yourself and I'm such a social person. Like I knew that it would be fine. It was just getting to that point. It was just getting mm -hmm. to the point where I was like, I just need to get settled. I just need to, and it kind of puts a bit of context on why maybe I didn't, I don't have a good score on paper right now. Like I don't have the number like the points total that I know I'm capable of because if you think about it like two years of injury then last year I had everything going on in the top of competitions I still managed to come out and kind of break through a barrier that I've been trying to get for a long time which is break the 5,000 points barrier in the heptathlon I did that with a Scotland vest on and it was such a buzz I felt like myself again I was happy I was you know I just felt like I've actually 
broke through the hard part, you know? And it's like, on paper, yeah, I don't really have anything to show, like, very impressive, but I know what I'm capable of. And this is the first time in a long time that I'm training really well, I'm healthy, I'm happy. And, you know, it's been nearly two years since all that happened now. And I'm really, like, I've never been so content on my own, if that makes sense. Like, I'm yeah. so content with my own wee life, you know, and like, I ended up moving to the south of France. And like, I joked, like, I've said, you know, relationship went south and then I followed it, I went south. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's the thing. But it, I mean, I joke about it now, but um, yeah, like, we are, we are still, like I said, I'm, I have no, we're still friends and stuff like that. So, we laugh about it now. But at the same time, like, I've kind of built my own life here in France and I've built a lot of friends. I went to Saint-Tropez just August there with a group of friends that I've met in Paris, all French, you know, very French. I feel, you know, my training group still call me the foreigner, but I'm getting there. I just want to chuck in there at this point, first and foremost, very proud of, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, very proud of you and your character. And, um, you know, I speak to lots of different sports people Um and everybody's got those cha different challenges. And yours is obviously different from the point of view that you're in another country, very young, yeah. went through the adversity of, you know, relationship, going separate ways. It's a yeah. lot to deal with as well as be alone. And you showed a lot of character, hell of a lot of character. You should yeah. give yourself a pat on the back. You know, big respect again to your to your parents, you know, the support yeah. they've given you. Look at that, your dad, your dad coming over on the day, straight back on a flight, your mum coming over and getting you settled in your, your new apartment. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's brilliant. And now, you know, you're, you're settled over there, you've made friends, yeah. you know, you seem, you know, when I got introduced to you, who I just want to give a shout out to Adam Ash, who, uh, who kindly put me in touch with your good self. And he was full of positivity about, you know, he said, I think she'll be really good in your podcast. You know, she's 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 an, she's a great athlete and she's you know, she's got a really good personality and you've, you, you, you're back, you know, we've still got a little bit more to, to cover, but you've been so honest, you know, you've learned a lot through the way. And I think that's very, very important. You know, you, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things along the way. Um, and I think to any young sports people out there, I hope that gets to listen to this. I think boy or girl, there's so, there's so much to learn from it. So you're in France, you've settled down, there's a big dream now. You've got your heads in a good space, you know, you've got your apartment, you've got your pals, you've, you've got your social life, you've got your training schedule, you talk about that quite a lot, you've got your schedule. Commonwealth Games, the big dream, is it achievable? Yeah, like, see, the thing for me is, when I was really young, the Commonwealth Games, I remember being 13 or 14 at the time and my coach saying at training, Who's, who wants to be in Australia at the 2018 Commonwealth Games? And immediately I had my hand up, like any sound of competition, I was like, me, but I want to be there, you know? And of course, when 2018, you know, I ha there was a lot happening and for whatever reason, I was nowhere near going there because my injury and operation and all that. But to be honest, like the Commonwealth Games for me has always been like a... If I can get to a Commonwealth Games and compete for Scotland, you know, it kind of puts me on the on the map, you know, the senior kind of international competition. And mm -hmm. because it's Scotland, it's not as big as saying, oh, I want to be at the World Championships or I want to be at the Olympics. Like, of course, every athlete who's competing, like, wants to get to those high levels. But the, com the Commonwealth Games for me has always been really attractive in the sense that it's, 
it would be a really nice starting point like you know starting for Scotland and and getting on a big stage like that and obviously with the Commonwealth Games coming up in 2022 like me moving out to France I was thinking right that's four years away you know it was just kind of at the start of a new cycle the Commonwealth Games in 2018 had just finished um, and I was like this is the beginning of a new cycle and I really want to get to the one in Birmingham it's everybody thinks like as an athlete you want to travel and be far away and furthest away possible is amazing but see for me like to have an essentially a home games because Birmingham's just what six hours or so away from yeah. Scotland you know so um or maybe more I'm not great with the no less time. less five, five five four and a half five hours I have no, no idea not far, not far not far at all but yeah like friends and family would be, be able to come along you, you know for me, I just feel like, and my coach as well, this is a really nice thing, like France aren't obviously in the Commonwealth Games and my coach has been to World Championships, he's been to European Championships, he's been to Olympics, but he's, he's never had the chance to go to a Commonwealth Games. And I remember saying to him when I first joined him, like, I'm going to get you a kilt and we will be at the Scot- <laughs> we will be nice. at the Commonwealth Games and he, you will wear a kilt. And he was laughing, he was like, oh, if you get there, I'll wear a kilt, like, kind of thing, you know. Does he know the tradition? Does he know the tradition of a kilt? Well... He brought that up with me. He's like, <laughs> you know, I've heard that. And I'm like, right, okay, whatever. You do you. I don't need to be involved you in that. You. You, I'm like, you. you just get me there and then you can do what you want with a kilt. Like, that's the thing. But to be honest, I feel like it will come at the right time. You know, I'll be 25, uh, well, 26, you know. That for me, my dad, like I said, from when I was tiny, he's like, you have to be patient. Like, your time will come. And like, I've always been quite underdeveloped in the sense like I'm not as big as the girls I compete with I'm not as powerful as them I'm very but I've always had a very like slow progression in that and I'm working so hard and I'm training in an environment where these are the best girls in France and like you know I'm learning so much every single day I really truly believe like I can get there and and I know my coach believes in me and I know my family believe in me and I just feel like it would start me off in a very good way if I can aim for that and do you know what like I said with sport you cannot predict a thing like you just don't know yeah. what's going to happen and I know I've got something inside me that I know I can put together a good score like I've not had the best years in the past like you know the past few years have been really difficult for me for various reasons you know like and I think anyone moving such like moving group and having to kind of set themselves up in a different environment is challenging so like this yeah. year I'm fully settled although we've moved city you know it's the same group but the weather's better so I'm not complaining I'm so happy I'm you know I'm really in my element and I've never felt better and I've never felt more ready to kind of show what I can do and I'm just crossing my fingers that we can compete next year because obviously the coronavirus hit yeah, this year yeah. meant, although I was healthy and I was settled and I was happy like we had nothing to do so you know I'm just crossing well, even my that fingers. I mean even that you faced that's adversity as well you know you're probably ready now to be full steam ahead and you're you're probably now you know you're you're being stalled but your mind is your mind is in a really good place and yeah i just feel like you know all all of this that's happened in the past has kind of set me up to be like you know what i've made it through that i've made it through that and i'm still here so you know i'm just going to enjoy it and i'm just going to go out next season and just hopefully put together the score that i know i can put together and i know that my coach he knows you know like he's like <laughs> i always ask him do you think i can get there <laughs> Do you think I can score that? And he's like, Oh, well, yeah, we all want a little bit. I mean, that's what your coach is there for as well. Do you know? Just and listen, I don't think he's got any doubt in you because well, he, he would have said, you he on. Think, look, at all, look at all he's invested into you. But he had done all that if he didn't believe in you. 
I know, and you know, he says to me, do you think I'd be wasting my time? He calls me rose beef. I'm like, first of all, it's roast beef. It's not rose. <laughs> but he calls me rose beef. He's like, do you think I'd be spending so much time on you, rose beef, with English and everything and all your shenanigans? Because I do have some stories. But he's like, all your shenanigans for me to not think that you're going to get anywhere. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm like, I believe you. But I still ask him just to wind him up. I'm like, Listen, it's good to get, you know, it's, it's important to have the backing of your coach. And you obviously have both got a good, healthy, healthy relationship. Listen, we'll be, I'll be, we'll, I'll be rooting, rooting for you from afar. I'll be following closely. Well, my advice would be is control the controllables. Don't exactly. let. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Work the hardest you can. At least you'll know when that time comes. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident you'll be competing. But if you don't, you know you've given it absolutely everything. But don't even think about that. Think about you're going to be there. You know the thing is, I say to everyone because they're like, "Oh, you're not a bit worried, like, about not being able to do that, about not being able to do that." And I'm like, "Look, do you know the thing is, I'm living in a different country. I'm experiencing a different culture. I'm learning to actually live by myself, be able to be independent, be able to, I don't know, fix a leak on a washing machine. Which, by the way, <laughs> these are the things I'm having. Yeah, to I can do that. I can do that. No chance. Or like, you know, when something happens, I can't just phone my dad and say, "Can you come round and fix that?" Or what do I do for that? Or how do I set up my French? But you know, I'm having to go for an appointment to the bank with French people and try and set up a full account. And I'm learning how to be an adult, kind of even even more difficult, like in another in another country. And and I said, you know, it's the same answer to everyone. It's like, you know, if I don't achieve what I'm setting out to achieve on the track, I'm still going to have achieved so much. Character, character, your character building has been. Is, is these last three, four, I mean, your whole journey has been character building, but these last two, three years. Yeah, like I almost feel like a different person in, a, in the sense, like obviously the same, I'm still the same person, like personality wise, but I'm just so much more aware of what life is about, like, and what I actually have to do each day in order to be at my best on the track. And I have to be organized. I have to not get stressed when little things, you know, I'm so much more aware of, what what matters and what doesn't matter i used to get so stressed about pointless stuff because mm -hmm. i never experienced the things that are actually stressful yeah i used to get stressed over nothing or like panic over nothing and now i'm just like oh the washing machine's leaking all over my floor that's fine i'll just fix that or like i'm ha you know what i mean it's just like little things like that i'm so much more in tune with you know okay i can actually do this and I'm, i don't stress I, I sleep great at night i'm like i'm a good person i'm doing the best i can I go to sleep at night, you know, without really a stress about stuff. And I'm just like, I'm so happy. And that's the main thing. And I think it's so obvious to people that I'm really loving life out here, you know, and people always say to me, oh my God, you know, it looks amazing. You look like you're just loving life and loving life. And I'm like, yeah, but I worked a lot to get here, you yeah, know, yeah. and I went through a lot to get here and I've really had to pick myself up many times and my parents have had to do a lot of emotional support and mm -hmm. you know it's not just as easy as moving country or it's not just as easy as like you know just living in the sun every day and I know that's yeah. what it looks like on my Instagram but there yeah. is a lot behind the scenes that I guess people don't really see and like I'm, I'm quite proud of myself for where I am just now you know and I know I've got so much more to give and I know I've got so much more to come but Sometimes I do just take a step back and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm doing all right, you know. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm 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 it's I'm excited. I'm excited for uh, for when you know people get a chance to to, to watch this because there's been that you, you 
being really real, that's what's important to me. You know, you've really been real and it's a real journey there. Um, yeah. I'm inspired by listening to you. You know, I've got a daughter who's 11 months old and I'll probably, as she gets older, show look, you know, your dad had an interview once with a, with a, with a professional athlete and show her something like this because I would like to think it will inspire her. You know, yeah. my, my wife is a musician, singer-songwriter, musician. Yeah. You know, we're very big on wanting to show her that you know anything is achievable and and some that you know this advert of you your journey i think will inspire inspire so many people because it's not all been hunky-dory as we say in scotland no. it's been you know like we said it's been a bit of a been a bit of a roller coaster you were going yeah. to say something on your go no i was just going to say like a lot of people when they meet me think oh god you're dead you're really different to what i thought you were going to be like because that's the thing people think they know just from like what they see on social media and everybody can make everything look easy on social media yeah. you know and like I think I think that's the thing like obviously you're not going to put out I was I was very um I didn't speak a lot about what was happening last year because yeah. mainly I was trying to deal with it myself and just trying to figure out my own way of coping and, and figure out what I was actually doing mm -hmm. but at the same time like being able to talk about it a bit today and just be able to say like everybody's going through something and I think that's one of the main things like to remember about everything and that's why I'm always like open and honest with people or just kind to people or just like some thinking everybody has something that they're hiding like last yeah. year you, you never know you never know you never know what's and, going like, on I met a lot of people last summer and you know I'm very like cheery and trippy on the outside and I put on a strong shell if that makes sense but I was going through it last year and and only the people closest to me know how much it affected me and how much I had to put on a brave face. But I can look back at that and think, like, I have come such a long way. And I think it's just about, you know, knowing that everybody has something and you're not, you know, you're not alone in that sense. Like, but you can just, it's all about, like, pushing through it and just believing in yourself and believing what, not necessarily believing in yourself, because when you're going through stuff, you just, you do question yourself and you start to doubt but it's like believing the people around about you that actually support you and actually can see from the outside with when they're not in it. Like, you know, I had so many people saying to me, like, come on, you've got this. Like, you can do it. Like, you you ju just keep pushing. Like, And even the girls I compete with, you know, a couple of them knew what I was what I was going through last year because there were a couple moments in the competition where I was just a bit like... Yeah, there'd be mm. wobble, yeah. It, would, it, could, it could happen. A wee slight, slight wobble. Yeah, just a, that that was all it was. Like just having slight wobble, and I was just thinking like, okay, because I remember going to my first French outdoor championship and no heighten in the high jump, and thinking like, and this was like right in the thick of everything happening. I'm just thinking like, could this be any friggin' worse? Like, you know, I, I'm trying my best, and then I don't even clear a bar. I don't even yeah. clear a bar. So I'm thinking like, and I just got, I just got a bit upset, and there was actually a couple English girls over at the French championship, and we had a proper deep chat after day one, and I was just thinking like. I'm just going to tell them, like, I'm just here to try and get by. Like, I just want to be here. I want to be competing, but X, Y, and Z. And they're like, do you know what? Like, you can, like, they were so supportive. And these are my competitors, you know? Yep. And I never spoke. Humanity again. Humanity again. Exactly. And it's like, that's why I'm always. I love that story about the old woman. I'm still, <laughs> that old lady touched, yeah, touched my heart. So embarrassing, though. I was just like, oh my God. She must think this girl's a loony. I better give her a hug. But um, that's the thing, like, that's why I'm so open to listening to people. You know, I always say to people, like, you can talk to me if you want, like, and I'm here to talk to you. Like, that's the thing. Like, I think I never really spoke a lot to many people about my situation because I just thought, like, 
you know, when when it's with somebody that's in the public eye, you just have to be very careful with what you say, and just mm-hmm. in case you just don't know. And I'm, I would hate for somebody to to be painted in a bad light from mm-hmm. one little comment that I've said that's been blown into a big, you know. And I would never ever say anything badly. That, like I said, it wasn't a bad situation. But you haven't, you haven't, you haven't said you haven't said one thing badly, and you've said it in a, you know, in a, in no, a, in a, there isn't anything bad to say. But I just think I was very cautious about who I told what to and. You know, so you should be, so you should be, because you can't yeah, but now like to kind of tell a story, I guess, in a way, and just be like, Yeah, this happened, but you know, I'm I'm all good and, and it kind of goes for anything. It doesn't have to be in sport. There's always going to be times where you're just a bit like, Oh Jesus, like just breathe <laughs> you know, and it's gonna to happen to me again. I know it will, but at least I'll be more equipped to deal with it and I'll be okay, I've I've gone through this before, I know how to do that, and I know one step at a time and I'd never experienced something like that. I'd never experienced, and you know, people always say, time's the greatest healer, like you'll be fine and you'll feel better. And at the time you're just thinking, there is no chance I'm going to feel better. Like what is that? And you just start like, you know, it's normal. But now that I've gone through that, anything that I'm kind of faced with, I'm like, right, okay, I know that I'll be able to pick myself up. I'll know I'll be able to go forward and I can do it in a way that reflects me well, because I, I'm never, I would never ever be somebody that's like, oh you know this happened and why would you do that and blah, blah, blah. you know it's just not it's not me and I would never do that so yeah I think it's like everything's happened for a reason and it's happened for the best because I feel so secure and I feel so happy and I just feel like yeah it it was just supposed to be like that this was supposed to be my journey and I'm just taking it as it comes it's part of your journey it's part of your journey and yeah. you were talking earlier about you know when you one day have children and stuff like that, these are going to be the experiences that you're going to be able to be able to guide them because yeah, you're, going exactly. to face, you're going to have faced stuff that you can give that. And that's why your parents, they will have faced their all, you know, their, yeah. their challenges in their life as well. And that's why they're able to to give you that support. It's all part of the it's all part of the journey. And this yeah, is exactly. this is this has been this has been really, really fascinating. Something I just want to touch on as we come towards the end. As we mentioned, I mentioned at the start. Um, ambassador for uh, two brands in particular yeah. um, one that I'm quite familiar with and how we got put in touch and you're rocking the t-shirt obviously uh, <laughs> pure sport, pure sport oh, day once. <laughs> uh, talk to me about them I obviously know Adam Ash um, only recently great guy really great guy but talk to me about their their influence on you and, and, and the products um, well obviously I met Adam through my uh, last relationship he was Finn's good friend and like I think they, they used to live together so they were really good friends so I met him in that environment okay and obviously he started this brand with like Pure Sport and Grayson another um athlete I've mm-hmm. never met Grayson in person but I've heard a lot about him obviously and I knew he used to play at Glasgow and he's friends with all the guys and stuff like that and they kind of they reached out to me right at the beginning when he's kind of when it was kind of starting up mm-hmm. and they were interested in kind of getting me on board and seeing if I like the products and all that kind of stuff. But right in the beginning, they didn't have the batch testing like logo. Um, they yep. and they, they were in works with that because obviously they're both sports guys. So they know yep. how important it is to make sure everything's tested and make sure everything's like up to scratch with requirements and all that kind of stuff. And they were so supportive right from the start. They said, look, we'll wait and we'll hold off until we have the certificates. And then once we've got all that sorted, then you can start to... To see how it works for you and I was just like you know when somebody kind of like thinks outside the box and doesn't just try and push a product onto you thinking you know you'd be really good to help mm-hmm. you know I know it's not quite ready yet but just go for it kind of thing and 
so I really appreciated, appreciated it from the start that they were willing to kind of hold off a wee bit until everything was in place. And obviously, like, Adam's a great guy. Like I said, I knew him from before and just from chatting to Grayson as well. And his wife, too, is involved. And, you know, it's just like when there's people around you that are, like, great people and have the same kind of, like, ambitions and drive as you, like, that's what kind of drew me into it in the first place. And they're so supportive, you know, even if it's just a message being like, oh, you know, you're, you're smashing this or that's great or how can we help you with that? Or, you know, sending, sending out products and getting me on the ambassador thing. You know, like I was one of the first ambassadors that they, they kind of set up on the, with a discount code and everything like that. Yeah. And they're just like such positive people. And, you know, I just, I've built a really good relationship with the Pure Sport team. And I just feel like, I'm really excited for what's to come for them because when I started with them I don't they weren't near 10k on, on Instagram and stuff and I think in a year they've gone up to even more like they're way yeah. past 10,000 now I think they're past 15,000 you know it's just building and building and I think it's it's something that more and more people are interested in and when I started with Pure Sport you know obviously I got some comments being like should you pr be promoting that because it's like um weed I'm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's just like people didn't know about it. People hadn't done the research. People didn't yeah. understand. And actually, it has been a lifesaver for me because I had, for years, I had a ongoing injury with nobody could figure out what it was. Even the top doctors at INSEP couldn't find what was wrong with me. Um, they thought it was hamstring related. They thought it was back related. I had a pain right underneath my bum cheek. Like yeah. that's all I can describe it with. And I couldn't sprint properly or I just kept having problems. I would go through periods of training of it being fine and then it not being fine and then it being fine. And it was just continuous and we couldn't figure out what it was. Mm -hmm. But I went to a specialist because I met an athlete at Inset who did 800 meter running. Mm -hmm. He was like, he won the world championships and stuff. So he was really experienced and he had the exact same problem as me. And he saw a specialist who kind of specialized in that area and it turns out that I had like just a lot of inflammation around my nerves mm -hmm. and around my tendon up at the very insertion of my hamstring. But it mm -hmm. wasn't a tear. It wasn't. In, it was just a lot of inflammation. Mm -hmm. And obviously the pure sport CBD oil, like one of the main drivers is that is inflammation, like um, anti-inflammatory properties mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. So when they reached out to me and said, like, look, do you want to try this? There's a lot of research going on that it improves kind of inflammation and stuff. I'm thinking, well, this is perfect because I have really bad inflammation in my muscles and tendons and everything. And I started taking the oil January last year. So I've been using it pretty much every day religiously since January last year. Mm -hmm. And when I say I've not had an issue with that type of injury and probably, well, since last February, since I started taking the products, I've not had any issue with inflammation up in that area for a year now and all I can put down to it is the fact I started using that oil and it's this is the thing I get messages all the time from people saying like oh do you feel a difference though and I'm like it's not like you wake up and you're just like god I feel like a new woman yeah, it's, over time. It's, over, it's over time that you it's, over time. it's the consistency of it it's the same with training or it's the same with anything you know like if you use something consistently and you actually put it into your routine that's when you start to reap the benefits and there was a few times like if I wasn't training you know if I had a break from training I would maybe stop taking the oil because you know your routine's different and stuff that's when I started to notice the difference because the difference because I'm just thinking like I don't I feel like not as I don't know it's so hard to explain I actually physically can't explain it to people like it's not until you start using it that you realize that it's helping you do you know what I mean and um 
I've, I've not looked back and obviously they've expanded and they've, they've brought out a moisturiser, they've brought out a muscle balm. So like if you have any pains or niggles or anything, you know, you can use the muscle balm. And I did a Q, like Q&A type thing um, on my stories during the first lockdown and I got so much interest from people, you yeah. know, asking, oh, well, what does that do? And there's more and more athletes, actually girls in my event that have started to use it and I've had people mm-hmm. ask me about it and there's so much kind of going on with them and they're just growing and Adam's now moving out to LA, I think, in January. Yeah, he's, big, uh, big exciting, exciting time yeah. for him. So it's going stateside. So yeah, <laughs> yeah no, they're 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 to, they're to, I mean, great to hear your story because yeah. I've I've also um it just shows you how small the world is. I've done a I done a podcast with uh, Rory Jackson, um right. and 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 Rory uh, put me in touch with Adam and said he'd be great in your podcast. And then I got Adam on the podcast and we yeah. hit it off, got, got on really well. And yeah, then from done. there, he's been so supportive um, mm-hmm. to me and what I'm doing with the podcast. And then, you know, I'm now, I'm now, I've, I've tried the products as well. I've, the benefits yeah. I've seen is, that, you know, I was, um, I was experiencing like, I've struggled sleeping for a while. Um, yeah. I've had, uh, you know, faced a bit, faced anxiety in the last couple of years as well. And I've found, it's had a pos- really positive effect. Great to hear the positive effect it's had on you. So definitely big shout out to those guys. Uh, keep keep doing your thing. You're doing a fantastic job. Um, the other one is my protein. Yeah. I don't know as much about my protein. So t- tell me about that. Tell me about your experience yeah, with that. So that's um, fairly new, to be honest. Like they kind of reached out to me a couple months ago and just said like you know would you be interested in our ambassador program like you know obviously we see that you do sport and you're using you know we don't know if you're using products or whatever and you know like I had actually been using my protein before because some of the supplements that I use were from them because they do the informed sport they have the batch testing on there so I was using their products before and then obviously to get this opportunity to kind of be an ambassador with them well of course I was like that's something I'd definitely be interested in and like so how it works is they give you like a discount code and they send you out some stuff and you just start to promote it on your Instagram and mm-hmm. I've never said like you know I'm an influencer it's not I, I don't see myself as that but I think with my sport and like people are kind of getting a bit of interest in what I'm up to and th- stuff mm-hmm. like that you know I, when I promoted the my protein stuff the woman that kind of deals with our team as such because you get put into teams she sent me a message and within before I'd even been on the team for a week, I posted my photo, I think, on a Sunday and she told me on the Friday, I think she was like, you've already hit tier three. So there's like different tiers in the system. Like people yeah. are already buying stuff like using your code. You've already hit tier three. And I was just wow. thinking, oh, I don't know if it's maybe because like, I don't really know, to be honest, but people just seem to really be interested. And yeah. I think like the main thing is I never want to make it unnatural and I would never promote something that unless I generally would buy it or I generally would use it and mm-hmm. you know I, I think there's some part of Instagram where it's like that's just people's job you know that's what they do they promote yeah. things and like they're and they are the influencers of Instagram because that's their job but I'm just doing my sport I'm just showing what I'm kind of using day to day and I think people are interested in that and like you know people are kind of fitness is kind of getting into you know a, a lot of people are getting into fitness now and yeah. you know the good thing with my protein is it's very likable i love the the training kit and stuff like they're sending me and obviously i use the product so you know i think they're growing as well and it's nice that they've got me involved when i'm actually doing sport you know i'm actually doing a sport and i can show 
you know, and I like to obviously look nice at training with the kit and stuff. So I'm like, well, no, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's, it's great. And I, I think because you do sport at a high level, you know, you're obviously very marketable for them, but I think it's good that you're able to educate people. And I don't, yeah, I, I you've said it there, but I, I mean, you're not an influencer from the point of view that that's what you, you're influencing through your craft. You know, you're, yeah. this, this helps you and you, and you're, you find their products have helped you a lot as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely because I use them every single day and that's the thing. I would never promote something that I don't use. And actually with the pure sport guys, you know, I said to them, like, I'll use it for a month or so before I make comment on it. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, I'm not going to just get something and start saying, by the way, this is amazing. You need to go and buy that. Like, I'm going to yep. use it, buy it out for myself. And mm -hmm. the thing with my protein is I'd been using them before no, anyway. No, anyway. So I knew that they were a good brand and I knew that like I was more than happy to promote because it's something that I've been using for a long time. And I think like, you know, with, with the whole influence and stuff, like it's quite funny because obviously you get, well, my brothers or like your friends being like, oh, are you an influencer now? And my answer, every time somebody asks me that, my answer is, do you feel influenced? Because if you feel influenced, then call me an influencer. But, you know, it's just all, it's a bit of fun for me. It's just yeah. like, you know, and it's just, I'm loving that now I'm like starting to do a wee bit of that, like more brands are reaching out to me and saying, oh, would you be interested in doing that? Or would you be interested in doing that? And like, it's just, for me, it's just a bit of fun. You know, I'm like, I love posting photos of what I'm doing. I love, you know, just putting a wee bit out there and like, you know, cause I'm, I honestly, I'm loving life and I just love kind of showing what I'm up to and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping once the Corona situation kind of, dies down a wee bit I'll be able to get over to London see the, the pure sport guys and get a bit more involved with some of the events that they put on and also with my protein they're based in Manchester so I'm hoping to maybe get over there and kind of see like how it all works from like the warehouse perspective and all that kind of stuff I'm really hoping that next year I can kind of get a bit more involved in what I'm doing and kind of understand as well um because it really does interest me and I can't wait to get involved in the the events that the pure sport guys put on I'm like god that is a bit of me you know everybody like fighting it out and like a competitive environment even though I'm not a crossfit or like you know might have got a bench PD today but I'm definitely not into crossfit but I love environments like that where everyone's just cheat like cheering each other on it's like proper heights and I said to Grayson I was like I cannot wait to get involved in that and he was like yeah we'll have to have you over one time um to do some stuff and I just can't wait to be more like involved and be able to actually go over and see right well how do you do that and how does that work and because I'm actually I'm really interested and I'm so I like when people ask me stuff about it you know um because I'm always open to answering I'm always like if you have any questions just hit me up because I love talking about stuff that I'm passionate about so you know it's good everything's going awesome. in the right direction that's awesome that's really cool really really cool and big shout out to uh, Pure Sport CBD and to my protein you know yeah. keep up keep up the good work you're obviously supporting a lot of athletes and your products are helping a lot of people from all different walks of life. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Right. My last question. Advice for a 16 year old Emma Canning. Advice for a 16 year old Emma Canning. Um, listen to your mum and dad more. <laughs> no, listen, okay. appreciate what my mum and dad are doing more. Um, stop fighting with them. No, but I think just, if I was to look back and speak to myself, it would just be have confidence in yourself. Don't worry about the people that are giving you hassle at school right now because in a few years' time, you're not going to remember what they're doing. Yep. It's not going to make a difference. Just believe in yourself. Know that you're strong enough to face what's coming, I guess, because as a 16-year-old, I would have never guessed my life would have been like this. 
So I would have said just be strong enough to face what's coming, know you're strong enough to face what's coming um, and enjoy what you're doing and always believe that what you feel inside is what's right, you know? So, and I think that goes for anything, like just trust your gut instinct and believe in yourself and be open to doors that open to you and yeah, just take everything in your stride and enjoy the process because I guess you only get one chance and at least I can look back on my 20s and think, you know what, I gave life a right good go at that time. So I couldn't be happier with how things are turning out and I couldn't be more excited about what's coming in the future. And I think regardless of what happens, you know, I've, I've set myself up pretty well to be able to cope with a lot of stuff and, you know, just keep listening to people who, who are open to giving me advice and take everything on board. So I guess that's what I would say. <laughs> Listen, um, thank you very, very much. Uh, you have like, you, you, um, you really have. I mean, Adam, Adam talked you up and said, "Listen, you, be, you, you know, Emma, be good in your podcast, but you have exceeded the expectations." Oh. Um, I think you've been um, really, really honest. I think you've you've spoken about mistakes, challenges. It's had a, it's had literally everything in it, and now you know we're getting to the stage now where you're probably in your peak. Um, yeah. And you've been through all those, all those, all that adversity, all the ups and downs, and I, I, I'm, I'm certainly going to be following you closely now, um, and, I, and I've got all my fingers crossed that you, you know, you'll be, we'll be watching you in the Commonwealth Games. Um, I look forward to, you know, continuing this, you know, friendship. Now I feel like I've, I've you know, I've only been, talking, I've only been, yeah, you know, it would be, it's, it's amazing the power of just connecting with different people. Um, if there's a, and, I, and I really look forward to getting this out. Thank you very much. Um, well, thank you for having me.